Welcome to the Rotor Revolution RC Podcast with Brian Birdsong, Alex Dean, Kenny Hutton, and Nick Wisdom. To the Rotor Revolution. I'm your host, Nick Wisdom, and with me this week, once again, we've got the whole crew. What's up, fellas? What's hello, hello, on, everybody. What's flying over there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're stoked, man. Good reactions to the first episode, first real episode, uh, and yeah. we're off and running out of the gate. So, uh, I think you know we're still going to do kind of an unconventional episode here. Eventually, we'll settle into sort of a more traditional uh, pattern here. But yep. we thought maybe for this for this first uh, or second rather episode that we would sort of try and catch up a little bit with each of us. So you learned a little bit about everybody's background in the hobby last time. And now we're going to sort of learn a, a little bit about what everybody's working on uh, recently. So what we've been up to in, say, maybe the past month or so, what's on our bench, what we're doing this winter. Uh, and then just kind of do sort of an extended week, only instead of a week, it's a month. And uh, hopefully that'll help you all figure out who's who, learn a little bit more about us. And then we'll do a little news somewhere in the middle there. And then uh, we'll go from there. There's lots so, of news. Uh, lots of news, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, it's interesting. Moving to, a, to me working on a bi-weekly podcast for the first time. Like you realize, wow, it really stacks up when you wait two weeks. <laughs> There's so many things oh, yeah. done, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's to the point now I feel like we're, we have to editorialize it. You're like, all right, what, what doesn't make the cut anymore because it'll yeah. be too long kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, but, but those are the best problems to have in the hobby. When you have so much news, you decide what's, what's the best. So that's awesome. Uh, and it's definitely a big news week. But before we get into all of that, uh, who wants to go first with their update? Or do I get to pick? Your choice. Oh, you spoke, Kenny, so it's you. Oh. Boom. <laughs> I like that. That was an accident, man. That's like when you look the teacher in the eyes when she calls on yeah, you in class. You just you don't look at me at all. I looked at you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, like Kenny, what have you been up to, man? Uh, wrenching on that um, pile drove Spectre. Got the parts for that. It was about two weeks ago when I crashed that and uh, replaced all the, the needed parts for it. And luckily, it wasn't too bad. The frame and um, belt was still intact. The frame was still good. It was just your usual, you know, skids, boom, links, just the just the normal stuff. Blades. Wait, I mean, was uh, the you, you, surely the spindle, the feathering shaft was broke on that thing? Like it was bent like at twenty degree angle on one side. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those where it's stuck in the main, in the head block and you can't get it out. Usually, I get lucky. Like the head's still good, though. I mean, I've I haven't been a head block on that thing, or even the main shaft for that matter. I've had the Spectre V one, and I had two of those at one time when they came out in crashes on each one of those and i've never been a main shaft on that heli it seems pretty oh. strong being so 15 weird. millimeters yeah. man 15 yeah, millimeters. nobody's bent one yet it's nice yeah <laughs> ra's like i don't sell any main shafts <laughs> <laughs> so did you did you do the careful because if you own an xl power helicopter right now the rekit math is way different way because different, it's 35 percent off you can just send the crash one in and get a brand new kit so mm-hmm. you know your threshold for rekits way like half what it used to be yeah, I only needed to break probably another $70 in parts or so, and I probably could have just sent that one. <laughs> yeah. now, the frame and everything was good, so it was mainly just the normal break stuff, you know? It wasn't too horrible. 
Um, yeah, after that, I got a few flights after I got it repaired and took it out. Um, well, you did get to go out after the repair. Cool. I did. Yeah. It took a few days later last weekend and got the Tron 90 and a few flights. Um, the Spectre also seemed like everything's okay. I don't hear any weird noises. You know, how that is after a crash, you don't, you don't look at every single, well, I'm not one of the people that takes every single part off the heli, you know, I just, yeah. Eyeball yeah, everything and check spin stuff. If something's not way out, I'll just at least hover test it and That's decide it. if it needs more. <laughs> Do you spin it up at home with the blades off to feel for vibrations before you go back up after a crash? I have if something looks odd, you know, like if maybe a tail grip had gotten tweaked a little bit or something like that and I straightened it. I've done that before, you know, if it just barely gets tilted or something. I've actually done that a yeah. few times where I'll still use it if it's just a little off and if it's weird, I'll just replace it. You know, if you can hear it making a noise or the blades sound out of track when you put them on and just spool it up. Yep. Yeah, I got that. Um, I got that done. When I took out the Spectre, I went ahead and changed the blades and put on, you know, old ones that are, you know, they get they get swapped from a flying heli to that one, you know. They downgrade. The ones that were working great on another heli are now my test blades on the, the new rebuild after a crash. <laughs> so what, what are your preferred, what are, what are the test blades versus the, I love these blades? Oh my gosh, I used to have like the old um old edge blades. I used to have ones for like five or six years I would always just use and they survived a million test, yeah. you know, rebuilds, but then eventually those finally met their uh mate the <laughs> match on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I just um after switching all that stuff, it was uh it seemed like everything was fine. What's your preferred blade of choice right now? Uh, Ultimates. Still using Ultimates. I just like the mm-hmm. you know the wide blade and it's really reactive you know it looks like actually speaking of that it's i guess it's going to be a news later but like um i think the rails are kind of going in that direction right the new mm, rails yeah. possibly yeah yeah and uh after that i i boarded the ss uh, goose guy boat <laughs> yeah <laughs> ordered the s1 i'm gonna give it a try this guy <laughs> yeah nice. i guess that's what it is something it's an SS something right Micros now. Micros are like in full force right now. In the, in the I know. Day. I know. It's getting pushed hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have the M1 or the M2, but I just wanted to give the, the S1 a try because it looks like something you can get away with in a small area, you know, just to take on a trip or just use in the backyard or something. Yeah. You can fly the, the S and M2 helicopters like in a backyard, but both of those are a little quick, you know, if you're in a small area. Mm-hmm. They're they're too big for my backyard, or they're too big for my backyard with my skills. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, but the S one the S one's great for this time of year too, man. Where it's getting cold, because I'm like I'm too much of a wuss to go to the field and stand there and freeze. But I can charge a battery, run outside, fly three and a half minutes, and then run back inside and you know get a little fit. Yeah, that's it. You can almost stand in the window and fly the S one. I'm just just stare out the back window. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get to try that on a trip or something here soon and see how that goes. Just using it as a little something you can pull out and fly on the on the fly. I got to where when I got the S2 initially, I would like drive around in the car with it in the back with fully charged packs all the time. And if I saw if I was just driving down, I needed a break and I saw a nice field. I'd you just like, like snipe a, a field and hop out and start flying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you look around, there's no one there. You've got three to six minutes if you're going to fly two of them right i mean people you just see you outside of your car standing by your car with your hands yep. down by your pants doing nothing yep. and they're looking at the back of you so they have no idea yep. what you're doing right yep <laughs> <laughs> i've had people come by walking their dogs and they just look at you they don't say a word you know <laughs> right. well, who is this grown man with this small toy 
Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I, I, I finally got up the courage to fly my S1 in the front yard recently. And I was just like, oh, God, here we go. All the neighbors. And yeah, yeah. sure enough, you, you definitely get that look like, why are you playing with your kids' toys while they're at school? <laughs> I don't care. I do it. I don't, I don't mind flying in the front. If we take them to Florida, we can actually, they'll be like, it'll be like competition for the mosquitoes down there at nighttime. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. I might, I could, I could probably throw mine in my bag and make it there. If, if you're bringing yours, maybe I'll bring it. We'll see. That's the plan, I think. In S1 combat. S1 combat. I actually, yeah. I've done the, uh, the tandem flights with the S1 and the S2 before. They're super fun because it's not so intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun when you get a big old like Yeah, because you're not of... too worried about what happens with it. If it yeah. hits something, it's not a major deal. Speaking of that, with the uh, S1 right now, it's on its USPS journey around the continent like uh, a lot of people's packages get, you know. Mm-hmm. shows up in your neighborhood to be delivered. It says, you know, coming tomorrow, and then the next day it's uh, 2,400 miles away in another yeah. location. <laughs> I've got, I've got a story <laughs> about that I can tell also. Um, <laughs> did you order yours during the week of Black Friday, Thanksgiving week? Oh, that's what it is. They're just wearing, it's like, um, what is that called? Bird box or whatever the hell that movie was where they're just like blindfolded, yes. throwing them into random trucks and it's yes. going all over the country. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes it feels like that's what's going on with the Dude, carriers. Amin sure. was giving away Goose Guy S1s during Black Friday, man. They were dirt cheap. Wait, what was their, what was their yeah. sale? I didn't see it. It was, uh, I think they had a marked down. I can't even remember what it was exactly. 169 was the lowest I saw. Was it less than that? I think that's I, what it was. There was two. I think the the pink and the white one, maybe, is what they had marked down, I believe. But the other ones might have been the um, ready-to-fly combos with the transmitter, I think. They come with these little USB chargers, like what Blade helicopters used to come with, with those 1S packs. It, but the, the, the 2S USB charger actually works fine to me. So... On my charge box when I'm charging, it has a USB out, and I can fly my Big Bird and then be charging that in the background on a USB, and it's been great. I didn't get mine yet, but the cord I saw looks like one of those little like cords that just explains how the world ends because you have a red and black wire, you know, like the XT30, and then you have this positive and negative. So the first thing you do is go, okay, let me. These look like they connect to each other, so I might yes. just plug these together. <laughs> yeah, the charge adapter does not look safe. It is, but it just intuitively looks weird. Yeah, there's no like uh, resistors or anything for like a safety or fuses mm-hmm. or anything, I guess. How long does that USB thing take to charge? Is it like 40 minutes? It's, I think it's 40 minutes, maybe. Yeah. But when you're out at the field with your buddies hanging out and it's in between things, that works really good. If it's your primary machine and that's what you're learning on, I think you'd, you're going to want something else for sure. Yeah, I, I bought like six batteries and a balance board, so I just charge six at a whack, and then they're so cheap, I just don't care about them. So I've I've got three that have been oh, charged for a couple there. days now, and I'll you know just burn them when I get time. I bought charge leads and no batteries. That was smart. <laughs> <laughs> I did find um, there's the um, pulse battery for you know the 300 milliamp and the stock battery, but the um, Gen's Ace or is it ProTech now? I think it might be the Gen's Ace pack. It's a um, 400 milliamp that actually fits but i guess it's kind of snug people say but it slides in there still oh hmm. really so there's actually three battery options i guess available right now the way i fly mine in less than three minutes the battery's toast That's well, you have like 90 percent throttle and 75 maybe oh, 80 okay i feel like i get three and a half minutes at around 70 percent. i don't know not less than three 
If I fly it from if I find it for three, it hits low voltage cutout and like just turns the head speed down. <laughs> so the four hundred might get you to almost four minutes, maybe. Maybe that'd be super cool. Yeah, if it's not, I too guess much we'll find out. There. Uh yeah, that that the specs um look the same somehow. So maybe it's you know smoke and mirrors, or it's not. We'll see. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I always wondered, and maybe that's a test we can do sometime. Like. The high C why the high C batteries are so much thicker than the low C ones. Or you get a yeah. high capacity battery that's a lower C rating and it's the same size as the other battery. And the high C I batteries taste like it. orange and strawberry and grape, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Smell like it at least. That one Sorry. took me a minute. <laughs> that's terrible. They are the colors of the rainbow. Are they I guess my last week uh is uh Getting the hotel booked for Winter Bash, got that ready and got stuff ready to go, kind of. And now is when you just sit back and try not to crash anything before you go. Mm, I know that feeling. Yeah. Now, how soon is that? Oh, That's yeah. not, it's two weeks out, right? From today. Two weeks like out. Two weekends. Yep. Yeah. We're recording on Tuesday, the 28th, and it, we're leaving on the following Tuesday to go to Orlando with my family. Nice. That'll be awesome. Still on the fence. Still don't know what's going on in December yet. But how far are you from there? Uh, about six hours by car. Six hours. Oh, yeah. It's not so bad, but it's far enough that it's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey. It's not terrible. Yeah. I did it last year, year before, year before last, uh, and it was fun. It's definitely worth definitely worth making the trip. It was a good turnout. It was good fun. Nice chill vibe. And Mr. Steve Shaw will be there. So what's not to like? It looks like a lot of people are going there this year. Yeah, cool. it's gonna be a lot of folks there. Unfortunately, I cannot go. I hate no. that. I don't like that. I know, man. The wife already has something planned. We had a one of her um, event things with her company that we signed up for, so we gotta get all dolled up and dressed up and all that good stuff. So, right here is where you insert uh, yeah. wanky sound. <laughs> 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 pilot by day, arm candy yeah. by night. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even going to try to negotiate that. I just said, yes, dear. And that was about it. So, yeah, <laughs> you, you got to do a few of those and then, uh, yeah. then you get your weekends. It's all good. Kenny, how long is the drive? For, are you driving? Yeah, it's, I think it's about 12 hours. Okay. Roughly. What day are you getting there? Uh, Thursday night. I'll be there Friday during the day, but we're flying from Texas. It's a, that would be a, a longer drive. So I got to break my stuff down and pack it in my travel case that I purchased last year. So what, this will uh, be my second time to actually travel with them on an airplane. Is it a golf case? Did you go with the, like the two golf case, two golf club case? I bought a golf case. Yeah. Golf cases are round. I don't, I've seen how people do it, but I don't know how people do it. So I ended up buying a four rifle case that is yeah. square uh, mm -hmm. and I can fit everything in there really nice but i do have to take the boom off it's not long enough right so How take the head off take the boom off so do you, do you walk with like one stiff leg with the boom or how do you do that <laughs> no, it's in the box i'll take a picture of it i'll take a picture of it and show you guys when i break it down um going through security has been a breeze dude like Mm -hmm. you go up there you tell them what you've got and the guys kind of just have been like oh that's cool uh and last time i brought um when i pack it i pack an electric and a nitro is all i've done yeah and i drained the tank they didn't inspect anything in the tank they were fine so i'm gonna pack a spare tank in case they compensate my 
fuel tank or something like that or tell me to take it out. And then the batteries, I'm only bringing one pack and um, they're heat shrink black. I discharge them or storage charge them, make them as safe as possible. I put um, some of those rubber ends on the connectors so that everything's covered up yeah. and yeah. then go through security and the guy kind of asked me what it is and I tell him it's a, it's a battery for remote control helicopter and they go cool and moved on. That's, that, that was my experience last time. Yeah, that's I've flown quite a bit with six S five thousands, um, like four of them at a time, and never had an issue. Uh, although I, I also take masking tape, and then I write with the masking tape uh, the number of watt hours that's allowed by maximum according to TSA rules. So if they say like, "Well, wait a minute," because mine are all this? black heat shrink as well, I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's you know, it's the right number of watt hours. It's fine." Yeah, um, I think I the isn't the maximum watt hours four thousand or forty four hundred anyway. By milliamps, yes, it's forty-four right milliamps in a success pack. Mm-hmm. Um, so technically, five thousands are just over the limit. But yeah, well, this battery is safer than my laptop battery that's fully charged. So exactly. I mean, as long as you follow common sense uh, precautions, your yeah. chip. And I've never had trouble, but I have heard of people who've had their packs confiscated or told that they wouldn't let them fly. So it, it have have also heard that. I'm bringing my oldest pack. How about that? Just in case. There you go. There's almost there that go. like three percent risk. You get the wrong TSA guy in the wrong day. He's angry um, or something. Yeah. Although in Atlanta, mm-hmm. I would literally just say, "All right, I'm leaving. I'm going to go mail at home," and then I would just walk to the next checkpoint down and I would try again because there's more than one. I have not considered that, but that's a great idea. Because then you might get a different TSA guy <laughs> or girl. Anyway, Kenny, we totally sidetracked. What uh, yeah, what I'm else? Sorry. What else you got going on? Are you still flying? Is your season wrapped up in Cincinnati-ish area? It, it happened instantly, like two days ago, when the temperature dropped. I mean, it doesn't doesn't really stop. I guess our temperature goes up and down, so I'll get chances to fly probably once every week or so for a little while, unless it just totally drops, you know, below forties. What is what is unreasonable flying temperatures for you now? Probably that range, because I mean, anything below forty-five or forty starts to get pretty cold on your fingers anyway, unless you use a transmitter glove or something, which Sometimes I do that too. I don't have a transmitter glove. We only need one for a couple of weeks here. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't even, I use it sometimes, but you still like, I took a, um, some of those patches you put in your uh, jackets, like with a USB cord on them and put that inside of the transmitter um, cover. That way it heats it up yeah. too. If I want to use it that way, and I've done it a few times and it works pretty well. Have, we, have you all done the thing where you like consider just sitting in your car and flying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just and then I think about like what happens when I go straight up and I can't see it anymore. Exactly. And how close am I willing to fly it to myself inside the vehicle? <laughs> you, you laugh, but True. that happened to me. I'll, I'll I'll tell you about it when when we get to my update. But uh, right, right. I did that with my S1 the other day. Flew it above where I could see. <laughs> That's funny. So you're still flying a little bit off and on. Uh, you got the Spectre going. You got any winter builds lined up? Winter builds, uh, possibly. Kind of been looking at the um, the Kenny Co. Championship Edition, possibly, and uh, the if it comes out before the end of the year or the new year, the um, M7 maybe too. That'd M7. Cool. I feel like you have to build the Kenny. The Kenny, the Kenny yeah. <laughs> I'll have a Kenny helicopter either way, yeah. right? <laughs> Is there enough different that it's worth it, or would you just buy the upgrade parts? 
Uh, I think it's, I don't know. It depends. I mean, mine's got a few years on it, the one I have now. So for me, maybe if you have a new one, I don't think you would, you know, all the other models they have are pretty reliable and all the upgrades are nice upgrades, but they're not like necessary as in a, I have to have them. You know, it's Ra's been kind of fine tuning the model over the past few years, you know, and just making things better than they already are. So I think you're fine if you have a newer one, but if you just want to have the extra stuff that makes it even smoother and better, then that's a good choice. Yeah. And that's kind of where I've been at. Like maybe I'll just get the updated version to try the new um, parts that have been switched out and everything. It's interesting. They didn't include the Kenny co edition in the crash exchange, or I think a lot of people would have been stuffing their specters into the dirt. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that wasn't included. Uh, yeah, I don't think it'll be released until uh, officially so, released. Is it out? Can you? I know I you can pre-order it now. Is it I shipping? Think the 30th? A few days from now? All right. Well, it's definitely not on the list of trade-in helicopters. The NME is and the right. V2 is, but... And the Nitro is. Right on. Any uh, Anything else, Bruin, Kenny, you want to share before we move on? I think that's about it for now. Okay. Who? Uh, who's up next? Oh, hell, I'll go. Oh, your enthusiasm, <laughs> sir, is amazing. Okay. Oh, okay. I'll go. Is it my turn? What's going on, Brian? Oh, man. Um, I tell you what, I did, I did not do a lot over the four-day, you know, holiday here with Thanksgiving. I thought I was, but... Man, you know, Thursday was just slam busy with the family, of course. And then Friday, um, I spent a lot of time with the wife doing a lot of Black Friday shopping, right? So we went to the mall and we hung out all oh. day long. Oh. So I know, I know. Was and, it crowded? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't do any of that. So. Dude. so I live here by like one of the biggest malls in Georgia called the Mall of Georgia. And, um, and yeah, it's rarely do you see the parking lot full. But uh, this time it was slam full. I mean, we had to park all the way down at the end of the parking lot and walk like a quarter mile to get to the building. So wait, wait, wait. Did you, did you show up the uh, mall helicopter guy? Did you show him how to do some scale flying in the center of the mall? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> wait, is that a thing? I haven't done this. Now, uh, now that you say this, I'm throwing it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The little kiosk guy standing there flying, you know, everyone's he's hitting everybody that walks by with it and, you know, whatever. But no. Wait, wait. What's no that really going on? Is this a real thing? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure thing. it could be now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, that was that was my all day Friday. I did, though, Friday evening um, was able to. Um, so I got a new bird that I'm going to try to test as kind of an F3C. Uh, practice bird, um, a Soxus Strike 7.1. So my good buddy, Sean K., everyone knows Sean, um, had one on his shelf just sitting there with no electronics. And he's like, Brian, you can try this bird. Just, you know, put your electronics in it. Um, go fly it, test it, see how you like it. So I do have that on my bench right now. Um, I need to swap out some servos. Uh, but once I do that, I can uh, take it out, test fly it, and see how stable it flies. I mean, I've seen some um, folks online talk about how stable it is. Uh, I've seen a few folks fly it as a precision bird. So I want to give it a shot, test it out. What color is it? It's the, uh, what, what is it? The, the yellow canopy. So, so the yellow and black canopy. Yeah. I feel so like this, 
I feel like this thing is uh, either love it or hate it. What is your feeling of it sitting on your bench? Do you like the way it looks? Well, here, here's the deal too with me. And I think a, a lot of pilots would probably agree with this. Like we're done with tail bone supports, right? Uh, so, you know, it has the tail bone supports on it. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's cute and all, but you know, you, you're used to the bigger tail bones now where you don't really need to support. They're, they're much rigid than the old school style of, of bones flexing and things like that. So um, that's the only thing that really kind of deters you away from birds that have tailbone supports. I mean, I put my V1 back together, my Spectre V1, and it still has the old tailbone supports yeah. too. And I'm like, ugh. Nick's fine. Now I know that thing. <laughs> yeah, I just see myself sitting there putting them back together and like, you know, gluing the rods in or all that extra work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but I'm going to finish it, give it a shot, uh, fly it, see how it flies. I think um, they look super cool. I've always, I like the big yeah. canopy on them. I think they look. The like canopy's huge, man. It's really nice. Things. Yeah, it's a nice canopy. It's and uh, and the mechanics, I mean, inside is really nice too, the way they have it designed. So uh, I'm really impressed with uh, just putting the, the parts I've put together so far on it. So more to come on that. I think you're going to like it, man. I haven't flown one personally, but everyone I've seen yeah. fly one talks about how stable and predictable it is, mm-hmm. which I have mm-hmm. to imagine would make it good for your world. But Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a shot. I want to put some like 720 millimeter main blades on it, too. Uh, so that'll definitely help with the stability. So we'll see. And what 720s are you? I've only flown the spin 720s. Are there? Are there? I'll probably got the Fontex. Because they're really designed for that type of uh, sport flying uh, F3C style. You know, the CG is a little bit toward the outer part of the, the blade. Okay. More, uh, more forward on the cord itself. So, yeah, it gives it a kind of a non-agile type, super stable feel. So, I'll, I'll put those on there. There's a stretch kit for that bird, too. You know, you could stretch it all the way up to 800s if you wanted to. Really? I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. It's so funny you say that because I, I actually had the uh, the 760 stretch kit for my V1 that I put on it. So it's a, a Spectre V1 stretch to 760, and I put the SAB 747 main blades on it. So it it flies very well. So I I, I built that one a um, couple weekends ago. Finally got it all the electronics installed. Took it to the field to maiden. Um, even took it through a few of the um, F3C routines there. And it flew very well. You know, it's just that, man, I'm telling you, those older V1s or, or Spectres, man, they just hate the low, low head speed, right? And, and, and you feel it most when you're doing auto rotations. So I'm coming down, because flying, uh, I would say, you know, I, I hover around 1,400. And then my aerobatics, I kick up to about 1,900. And it flies very well. No vibrations, no nothing, just a very sturdy machine. Um, but coming out of an auto rotation, you're coming down, you have that constant about 1,200 RPMs as you're, you're coming down. You flare, right? And then when you apply that positive pitch, the, the head speed drops. And so when you get about 800, 700, that thing just starts to wobble it. And I'm like, where does this wobble come from? You know, and, and it makes it hard to set it down you know, nice and easy on the ground because the second it touches the ground, it starts to wobble. And it doesn't have anything to do with the gain. It's just the mechanics. It just you wobbles. You can't put softer dampers in it for that? Probably so. I, I, which ones do I have in here? I have the, um, oh, God, this is old. The older ones. The Augie dampers when he first put them out. 
Yeah, those Magic. are really made for yeah, the in my, Magic from what I've seen, they're made for high yeah. red speed. Yeah. Okay. They're hard. Okay. I mean, I know you can change the O rings maybe that he has with those because they're Delrin. He, yeah, he claims that they're or X Guard claims that you they're good for low head speed, but that's not been my experience. I yeah, I, yeah. I tried yeah. them as well. Actually, I tried them in a Spectre that was having some wobbles at low RPMs, and it did did not affect it either way. Yeah. Right. My my, so, my view of those has been that they're great for higher head speed, but they're very snappy that way. Yeah. If you if you've had other experiences, please comment. Right. Love yeah, yeah, yeah. I only had the stock <laughs> dampers in mine and didn't really have it either way. It wasn't really wobbling. Yeah. Yeah, I'll play with it some more, but still just on a quest to find a good practice bird, right? I mean, I have my my two main birds, my Genesis that I take to compete with. And so just want to have some practice birds because uh, I have these new maneuvers that I have to learn. And so I don't really want to try that out with uh, my my competition birds. You know, and I'm not a micro helicopter guy. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't find the little helicopters to me, you know, just attractive. I mean, I, I, because I do such big air and I fly so far away, like my box is like three times the size of a normal 3d box. Right. And I, and I fly and hail four times. <laughs> yeah. So I fly far away to do my maneuvers and I do my maneuvers kind of on a 2d plane, um, but just really big. And so the smaller birds are just really hard to see. And they're so fast that, you know, you really want to perform those maneuvers very precise and slow to see those combinations and you really can't see it. So I prefer the bigger birds. I mean, a 600 size is probably the smallest I would go, maybe 550, but I need my bigger birds to practice. And that's why I'm trying to put one together now. So we'll see. Micros are awesome for practicing certain things, but yeah, for f3c or f3n style maneuvers where you need a bunch of space i don't think you can see it that far dude it's so small oh yeah okay. yeah yeah after watching brian fly he does fly way the hell out there so <laughs> I, way i think you're gonna love the strike personally uh i'm curious to see how you get on with it but i think you're gonna really like it yep i'll let you guys know for sure i will let you know I did, uh, you know, I had plans on some uh, winter projects, but I got overzealous and started. Um, so, you know, and I think I mentioned this last time I purchased the, uh, the five-bladed head for my MD500 Skillbird. Going to do that, but I bumped into a little issue with that. So um, that head is made for 10 millimeter main shafts. And the main shaft size now on the mechanics, which is uh, a line 700X Dominator, um, it's 12 millimeters, so it's a little bit too big. And I have a 600 size um, Phoenix Tech bird that I'm, I was going to put in there. And the main, uh, the main mass there is 8 millimeters. I'm like, well, shit. You know, uh, I might have to find a kit that comes with the 10 millimeter main shaft in order to uh, really leverage that five bladed head. So I'm going to do some research on that. Check out we'll round two about other five-bladed heads. It might be cheaper to sell the one you have and then pick up a five-bladed head with a different They're main shaft so size. so hard to find. I, I hear you, man. They're so Check hard to eBay. find. And I found a bunch on eBay when I was yeah. searching for my four-blade head for, for my scale bird. Okay, okay. Yeah, I didn't think to look on eBay. Um, went to Motion RC, of course, there, and um, we got two left. Hurry up and buy now. So I'm clicking buy now, you know, and... <laughs> 
just jumped right on it. But uh, then you get the same notification later. There's there still two left. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know where still the cool hotels were. You know what's so cool about Motion Oxy website? If you look down in the bottom right or left corner, it says, you know, Steve and such and such just purchased the blah, 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 you know, and <laughs> I wonder that they see the Brian just purchased the five later hit. I don't know, but it makes you jump on it really quick. So I don't know. I haven't Brian seen this. I don't know what you're talking just about. just paid for head. Uh, <laughs> uh, hold on. So what is this website? I don't know what this is. Motion RC? Yeah. Uh, they just sell tons of uh, scale birds, scale fuselages, helicopters, airplanes, um various parts that you may need and is there a social media aspect to it where when you buy something someone can see that you bought it no i think that's just the way they have their website design they may float through like their their latest uh daily purchases to just uh kind of entice you to say oh did he really buy that let me go check that out you know you can click the link as it pops up at the bottom notification window and all that good stuff it's a pretty cool website and the prices are very reasonable too. And I probably should have waited to check out a Black Friday deal, but I was yeah. again. I saw where it says two left, and I just you know hit buy now real quick. So, <laughs> oh man, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, about it. Uh, one other thing I've been doing too. So, oh man, I hope I don't butcher his last name. So this Stephen Boyajian, I believe that's how you say his name. I'm. I, apologize Stephen, if i said it wrong but um in the facebook group um and i initially saw this in the um the futaba uh cgy group there's a cgy group on futaba up in facebook and he started a video series of how to set up kind of a default template model of uh, between the 16iz and the cgy 760r uh, fly barless unit and it's pretty cool i mean i uh i have my kind of my own template right you set up a, a base template pretty much and when you're ready to start a new model you just grab this template and it saves you you know 30 45 minutes of going through trying to do all these configurations when you have some pure base settings that you use so he's going through a, a series to show that um, and really getting in-depth information about um, what are flight conditions in the controller versus the gyro conditions of the CGY? Um, you know, how to set up the uh, alarm switches and, and, and the voice callouts of voltage and, and other telemetry items, et cetera, et cetera. So really intuitive, which is cool. I mean, I, I'm glad someone's doing it. And I, and I think the hesitation of why we haven't seen a lot of kind of setup videos for Futaba stuff is because there's a thousand ways to do it, right? And this this way Steven is doing it is is one aspect of it. And you know, and following it is really great, but then it's like, oh well, you know, I don't do it that way. I do it my way or yeah. something like that. So Yeah, it's probably a real good base way to get started. I saw that absolutely. he did that too and it looked absolutely. like it would be pretty interesting and helpful to a lot of people. It is. It is. He has two of the three videos out right now. I think the third one will be coming in a few days, but um, it's a really good series if you guys want to check that out. Steven, like, how do you tune in? This is like, how do you tune a nitro engine argument? Yes. Here, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, uh, but that's me, man. That's what I've been doing so far. So, uh, you know, I've got, got a few cool things to work on now and uh, can hopefully have some more things to report next time. Right on. Yeah, I think, uh, Alex, you'll find 
the first time we do a nitro episode that that's when your inbox will start to light up with everyone telling you how wrong you are and that uh you know you need to do it a different way and i'm good with that though i love hearing as long as you don't take everyone's opinion personally and for gold i love hearing other ideas because it definitely gives you a uh, it definitely tells you things maybe you haven't thought of that yeah uh yeah. that was i mean it's still my struggle because i'm very new to nitro but my struggle when i first was building mine is that i would ask three of my favorite people the same question and get three different answers yeah and then you're like well <laughs> they're all smart which one do i listen to i don't know and i just sort of <laughs> if you want my feedback just it. use terms like spark plug and fuel injection when you're talking <laughs> about it oh <laughs> uh, so that's awesome brian so you know, winter's just starting, right? You'd like, you got to ease up on the winter builds. I know, I know. I got to ease up. I got to slow down, man. So, yeah. All right. I think we got time for one more before we head into the news. See where me, are Alex. You, are you going or am I going, Nick? I'll do. Uh, go, do you do it? I've been busy, man. I, uh, I kind of got really busy with work uh, a little while ago, maybe a few weeks ago um kind of mid-october to mid-november was nuts so it was way behind on my wrenching flying and i've really been trying to make up for that uh the the way my work goes once i hit mid-november you know my work travel stops for the year so i get a lot more free time uh so i have wholeheartedly been taking advantage of that so i built a helicopter uh in that time i built the tron advance 700 electric um, right did you get to maiden it uh yeah. no which i'm nope. bumming about so yeah you should, you should hear nick complain every day because the weather is horrible <laughs> you know terrible. it's too cold or it's too windy he's like i just want to maiden this damn thing that's when i go back to i like that the 700 the full size is nice it flies really good yeah it's uh, the weather here has been like if my kids are off from school and we've got fun stuff planned it's gorgeous so the weather for my kids soccer games or for like like I had the kids all day. My wife was working and we went out to the park and did all kinds of sports stuff. And it was awesome. Yeah. And we had a great time, but it was, you know, 60 degrees, no wind, beautiful fall day. It's yeah. When you're doing something else, way. it's like that Kermit the Frog staring out the window, you know, like wishing I was out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I've had in the last week, I've had four separate days where I could have gone to fly for like four to five hours. And all of them have been either raining, like downpour. Two of those days, it just poured for two days. Yeah. Or Monday and Tuesday of this week, uh, it's been 30 degrees in the morning with a high of like 45 in the time I can fly and 15 mile an hour winds. And I can fly in 45 degrees happily if there's light wind. But when it's 15 mile an hour in 45, that's too cold for me. It's just miserable. Uh, for me at 45, there needs to be like, like no wind. Yeah, none exactly none um exactly. and i also i try not to maiden helicopters when it's 15 mile an hour winds like five to ten fine north of 10 i feel like on a maiden for me i i feel happier when it's less wind than that um yeah I, that, that one's probably ridiculous but whatever i just you know i feel like i can identify what the helicopter is doing better when it's less windy and tune it a little faster uh so i've been staring at the advance hanging on my wall dying to maiden it I've like made up all the packs for it. I've CG'd it 15 times. Like I've done all the things. I've triple checked it. Like it's ready to go. Um, you put the canopy on your head? Uh, I actually, I'm not a canopy on the head guy. Oh, you're missing <laughs> out. I, you know, that's what I hear. Um, 
But I do just, put the canopy on as fast as I can. As soon as I have enough structure to support the canopy, it's going over the frame. Yeah. Even if there's no canopy posts yet, if there's like two halves of a frame on skids, the canopy goes on top for a second. But you don't test fly with a canopy, right? Uh, or do you? The, oh, yeah. So for the first spool up of the ESC, no canopy until you, you know, normalize or whatever the, the ESC at 50% or depending on the ESC. Uh, and then I'll put it up in a hover and check all the directions and make sure it's not doing anything crazy. And then I will settle it down within the first 60 seconds of flight, put the canopy on and then continue the maiden. Um, maiden every helicopter with the canopy on. Um, Walks away sad. That's a meme. That's <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, playing a lottery. I feel like yeah. if something terrible is going to happen, it'll happen in the first 60 seconds. So you just you do that. tell the canopy if it's going in, you are too. <laughs> we had a buddy build one of those uh, three blade Krakens, the green one. And the ESC caught on fire in the first like 15 seconds of the main flight. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Those are that's no good because then, like, a lot of stuff gets melted. Yeah, the cracking, you got to pull that canopy off, and the oh, you can't freaking fire's yeah. coming out. You can't get to it. Yeah. That's terrible. Uh, fortunately, knock on wood, that has not happened to me. I have crashed on a maiden. Uh, I forget why. It was a long time ago. Um, oh, I know why. It was a Spectre, and it was the wobble because I went to settle it in to tune it, and then as soon as it hit low head speed on a baby auto, it disintegrated against the pad and caught a tip and it was all over um anyway so the advance which we will do a review on once uh, i get enough flights on it um but super enjoyable build it's it was really fun to build a brand of helicopter i'd never built before so i like that challenge of like what's the language their manual speaks and how do they label things and feel that. yeah what's the design language language like how does it go together and like figuring all that out yeah um, how was the manual? Uh, as far well, I mean, as quality, we'll talk about it more in the review, but uh, okay. all I'll say is it's not SAB, and nothing is, and it's it's unfortunate that the measuring stick we use to measure yeah. all other helicopter manuals yeah. is so damn good that everything scores at like yeah. half that value. I feel like. But no, I just, agree. I think SAB sets the bar, man. That so, their manuals are second to none, in my opinion. And the packaging and all that stuff. It's cool when you open a kit and it's like laid out there for you in foam instead yeah, of man. here's yeah. a box and here's the plastic yeah. wrapped canopy sort of. Yeah. They, they've got the, the sex <laughs> yeah. appeal open in that box and yeah. the yeah. manual. You almost don't want to the... peel it out of the plastic and just stare at it because it's in its own little case. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Especially on the not, not the raws, right? The raw to me is just the, the canopy so basic, but on the Krakens and stuff, it's super cool. Oh, I'm sure that Maverick was really neat opening that up. I, mean, I have like, a stack of those little square, like 10 by 10 SAB foam pieces, like three feet high in the basement from all the kits. Oh, <laughs> that. That's a good idea to use. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think about that. That would have been uh, nice to have when I'm packing my helicopter to travel. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have cut pieces yeah. out and used them for padding before. Yeah. Yeah. I love that experience, I will say, of an SAB kit. Like you open in, you know, you pull the, the plastic wrap off, you open it. You get that presentation of, you know, the canopy, you look at that, and then you can just grab that glossy, thick book of a manual and go sit somewhere there with a drink, whether it's a cup of coffee in the morning or a cocktail late at night, and just like read that manual before you've even put the canopy, like taking it out. You're just like taking in the manual, that experience. I don't know. It's like nothing else. Uh, I like tangible book. I agree. If I'm, if I'm going to read a book, I still buy the book. I don't read it on a device. So 
Yeah. And, you know, the trauma is a digital yeah. manual, which is fine, but it's just, it's not that tactile experience of the sexy full color glossy. I like the paper manual. books also, but sometimes I find it nice that I can zoom in on the others too. Yeah, that's true. I will say I actually printed the Tron manual and there were times I still had to go to the PDF and zoom in because the printout just wasn't as clear as the digital was. What else have I been up to? So uh, I bought a Goose Guy S1 a long time ago and I had not gotten a chance to get a lot of flights on it, but I have, even when the weather has been bad, I've been flying that a lot lately in the front yard and backyard. My backyard's tiny. It's like a 20 by 20 box between the garage and the porch and where the cars park so it's and there's trees it's a terrible place to fly even a tiny helicopter but that hasn't stopped me i've been trying to work on my figure eights in uncomfortable directions in my backyard and i have skid bumped my screen porch i have like bounced off of all kinds of things in my backyard and the s1 still lives i have not bought I'm, a replacement part of this skid thing. The porch screen I was literally like, it was headed towards the screen porch and I was like, no, don't tear through the screen. Cause it's like an eight foot by eight foot panel of just screen uh, material. Screen, yeah. And I was like, if I tear this, I'm going to hate my life fixing this. I would like video of helicopter planted to the wall screen. <laughs> and well, it sort of skid bumped and bounced right straight back towards me because I panicked. And so I pulled up elevator so it would go skids in, not blades in. And yeah. then pulled positive collectives and all of a sudden it was coming straight back at me at Mach <laughs> 2. And I'm like, shit, 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 nose forward, nose forward. Anyway, managed to catch it. But it gets exciting. Like, that thing's tiny, but it's fast. That is exactly oh, yeah. why Brian doesn't like it because those things yeah. are so fast and they're so small. So fast. It's the nightmares he has. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is why I, I don't necessarily, and again, we'll do a review on the S1 as well, especially since three out of the four of us uh, have one and, and Brian's flown one as well, I think, right? I have. Yeah. Yeah. They get like one bad correction and they are in a hurry going the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. So they're, yeah. they're not the most ideal beginner helicopter. The S2 is much more forgiving. But anyway, so like I said, when I was dying to maiden the Tron and it was pouring rain, the wife and kids, I forget where they were, they were doing something for the day. So I had time to myself um, and was doing chore stuff and I'm like, screw it, I'm going to go fly the S1. I don't care that it's raining. I want to fly. I don't care about this helicopter. Let's go. So. Flew in the rain. So I stood, my office has like a little roof overhang, like a tiny little porch. So I stood on that and I'm flying in the backyard in the rain. And it's not total downpour, but at this point it's heavy drizzle. Yeah, it's definitely it's not raining. just a mist. And it didn't seem to care. So I kept flying and I got through two batteries and I'm just laughing at this point and I'm dry. And then on the third flight, I'm like, all right, we're getting some flying and this is all right. First, I almost lost it because I went to do a flip. I started getting a little brave in my tiny backyard. I wasn't in the front yard. And because I'm under this roof overhang, it went high and I lost sight of the thing. And I just sort of mm. memory flew it in the orientation I thought it was in. And it reappeared roughly where I thought it would. And I got lucky. Oh, that's um, cool. But I was like, okay, mental note when flying in the rain and standing under a roof overhang, you can't fly over like 15 feet in the air where you just yeah. can't see it at all. <laughs> <laughs> which was fun i laughed a lot flying that thing that is the thing it is not the same as a 700 although it is one of the best flying micros yeah, much in that less size. stressful i would guess but yeah it's hilarious and you know when you skid bump the porch or whatever it's it's just i don't know it's exciting and it's fun but uh i was back to doing figure eights again and then it just shut off it was flying and it just went i'm done and it just drifted to the ground um i mean it definitely crashed but it's soft muddy ground so 
uh, went up, picked it up, and it was twitching. It was definitely mad. It was like, listen, <laughs> it was the rain delay, raining, <laughs> and like we gave you two flights. This is the third one. You're pushing your luck too far. Everything's wet. Sorry, I'm done. So I unplugged the battery and I brought it into my office and took the heat gun to it to kind of dry off the worst of the moisture. And then I just left it for an hour. And then I flew two more packs in it later that day in the rain wow, again. Wow, that's cool. Um, and it yeah, didn't nice. care. So, And a buddy of ours has crashed his into his pool yep. um, oh, gosh, and then yeah, fished it out that. of the pool, dried it out, and it flew again. So I wonder if that's a, a thing for these since the board is exposed more. It'd be simple to use a brush and um, conformal coat them. So that if you get them wet, at least something survives, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe we've mm-hmm. all just gotten lucky, but as long as you let it dry out, it seems to just bounce on back. Um, I'm sure Goose Guy doesn't hot, advocate hot. flying these in the rain, but uh, it works. Hot glue the board. Someone out there would be <laughs> complaining about the ten thousandth of an ounce of liquid put yes. on there to, to conformal coat it. Yep. Yeah, right. Too much weight. Uh, uh, so, so that's been a ton of fun. Um, but I'll shut up about that. Uh, a lot of my downtime in the last couple of months, honestly, has been spent on really fun podcast preparation stuff. So designing logos, you know, finding theme music, uh, building the team, you know, setting up the website, all of the like back end stuff. Um, what, which one's this? You didn't tell us about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that has been that was a labor of love uh, for sure. And that was what I did while I was doing tons of work travel because it was easy to work on for half an hour at night kind of thing. Um, and yeah. so, so that's been keeping me busy. Uh, the other big thing that I've been at is uh, getting uh, happier and happier with my nitro. Uh, so I had kind of a series of issues with my nitro that were hard to figure out what was going on. And... I'm blessed to have gotten the help of Chris Moss and Tom Shin and Sean Kay and uh, Thomas Mabry and a bunch of other Nitro dudes in the area who've been helping me figure out, you know, was it a tune thing? Was it something else? And I think it turned out to be a multitude of things, uh, one of which being that the fuel tubing I chose maybe wasn't ideal and there was a little bit of air getting in the lines because replacing that worked wonders. Uh, I changed the gasket on the pipe away. I think I had a slight crash with it as well. Um, Well, no, that was a real crash uh, because I bogged it to death and stuffed it. Um, But uh, I got away with a lot. The blades survived. uh, So that was like boom and a few random little parts. No big deal. Skids and boom. Uh, Completely pancaked it. Managed to get it upright and it just went boom. I was doing kind of a big power loop and I just sucked all of the energy out of the motor because it it was bogging already. It just wasn't putting out enough power. And anyway, I stuffed it. so worked through all of that, got, uh, went with the, the Scott Graham method of the aluminum tape to make the gasket for the pipe. And that's worked really yeah, well. Worked good. Shouts out to Scott Graham on that one. Where'd uh, you get the, uh, the aluminum from? I got it off Amazon, uh, okay. from a link that Scott sent me. Um, the, the trick according to Scott is to find the aluminum tape that doesn't have the paper backing. So it's literally like adhesive on aluminum, um, with no paper backing. and. Uh, it's just really soft. And when you just tighten the heck out of it, it just compresses and you got to work all the wrinkles out of it when you apply it. But, uh, I don't know. That's, and, and let me tell you, man, this thing is a new helicopter. It is ripping. And I am like all of my frustrations with nitro knock on wood. I shouldn't say this out loud. Cause my next time I fly, it will suck. have been awesome. It's 
putting out gobs of power for me. I'm like giddy. I can do, you know, multiple backflips in a row as, as many as I want. And it's not bogging out on me anymore like it was. There is a sweet spot for Nitro where everything works just perfect for a period of time. And that period of time is uh, unknown. Yes, that is the impression I'm under. Um, Fuel but helicopter right now, when it's flying, it is so rewarding. Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. It's just like the day that it finally settled in, I was flying with Chris Moss, uh, a buddy of mine here in the area, and uh, he just dialed the tune in once everything was good, and it was just ripping, and I just had a huge-ass smile on my face every time That's I That's also the peak time to talk others into getting into Nitro. Those are the, when you oh, find yeah. those guys, their Nitro is working <laughs> perfect at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was uh that was a great day, man. I was I was just giddy. So that's where it's at right now. So now it's it's primed and I felt like I didn't want to start any new builds until the Nitro was happy. So once the Nitro was happy, that's how I built the advance cuz every time it was unhappy, I kept just working on it and working on it, working on it, trying to figure it out. So so that was a big thing and then lastly, uh I've been working on the scale build. So I bought a while ago, months ago, uh a pre-painted scale fuselage. It's a Coast Guard helicopter. It's an Augusta A109 uh, in the 550 size. And I had a Nimbus 550 XL Power Electric helicopter that I just wasn't flying a ton. Great, great, great bird. I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just wasn't flying it a lot. And I decided to, to donate that to the scale bird. So that's been a, a big learning process, how to mount mechanics into a fuselage that's not designed for those mechanics and all of the things you have to block and adjust and fit. It's hard, man. When, you, when you're used to building 3D helis, the patience required to test fit and then pull out and work on and then put it back and test fit and then take it out and then put it back and then take it out over and over and over again at every oh, yeah. step of the way is... Uh, I, I give those scale guys a ton of credit for the patience they have. You, boy. <laughs> Especially the scratch builders. I mean, just... I went through the same thing, yes. So that's the thing I've done the last two days this week where I could have been flying. I've been working on the scale birds. So I finally got the wooden blocks epoxied into the fuselage that then the mechanics bolt into. And then you got to brace the mechanics to the sides of the fuselage as well to make sure that the fuselage doesn't like shake and vibrate around while you're, you know, flying around. So got a ton of progress on that. So I'm super stoked. That's probably going to see the air this winter as well. It's probably, I don't know, another one or two build sessions away from being ready to maiden. And then I might put a full cockpit in it eventually and kind of add some more scale detail down the road. But uh, I'm excited, man. I kind of mocked it up on the bench, sort of just yeah. rested the blades in the grips tonight and took a picture. And it's, uh, I'm sorry to put it on our good. Facebook group so people can see what you're talking about. It's a really good looking machine. I should. It looks really good. I should. I'm, uh, I'm it's pretty nice. I'm psyched. If it, if it flies as good as it did. So I actually made in the mechanics with the four blade head on it, um, sometime yeah. this summer and that flew really mm -hmm. well. So hopefully with all the extra weight of the fuselage, it, it doesn't turn into a dog, but, uh, I'm psyched for that. And then lastly, uh, for winter projects, I've got the raw 580 Nitro waiting. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. we started a tradition here in Atlanta last year uh, of doing a build party where it's basically like a sleepover for adult males who are total nerds. Um, so <laughs> we all, except we don't sleep over. Uh, we basically all parked over at, uh, Sean's house and there were five of us, I think that did it last year, four or five. I forget. Yeah. 
but we basically took two days and all built a helicopter. So just mm-hmm. five dudes wrenching in a room and cranking for two days. And then pretty much everybody made in their helicopter like backyard hovers by the end of the second day. It's um, like land just, party yeah. for helicopters. Nice. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Totally nerdy. And you just order food and, you know, have a few drinks and just have a good time. It was awesome. So is land I'm party s- still a thing now that the internet is so good? Do people still bring all their machines over to people's houses and do that? I wonder. I, I don't know, but I saw one of those computer repair places that said like land party in the vinyl graphics on their window recently, but that's it looked cool. really old. And I was yeah. like, hmm, I don't think that's a thing. I like this helicopter build party idea. Yeah, it's fun. It's awesome. Um, I tell you what, you what, the first one we had was um, uh, when the raw was first introduced and it came out that February yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, everyone pre-purchased their raws. And when they came in, it was like build party time. It was like, all right, how do we do this? And so. We, and, and Sean normally hosts it down in his uh, his hobby basement area, right? It's a whole basement. It's just a man cave. It looks pretty cool. That's cool. But uh, but we showed up about eight a.m. to his house that day, and we were all finished with the raw build, with the electronics mounted and everything. Hell, even made out in his backyard, um, like by that evening, by nine p.m. Nice. So it was fun. We all went through the manual step by step. I had the, it was, I think it was just the yellow kit at the time. They didn't have any colors available, but that was my first 700 size helicopter and building that thing was amazing. So that was a lot of fun. My problem if I did a build party is I would show up like and just drop a few bags of spare parts from other helis down on their table when they're not looking and <laughs> see how long it takes them to build their kit. <laughs> Man, just a few spare carbon pieces and bolts and they'd be so confused for a long time. That'd be awesome. That would be cool. That uh, would be very cool. Yeah. <laughs> see, I've got all these pl- parts I took off in the Nimbus 550 because I shortened the frames by like a third um, yeah. and relocated the ESE to fit it. So I have a bunch of extra carbon spacers and all kinds of stuff. I'll be sprinkling those on tables. I like this kit. Yeah. It's a good idea. Well, awesome. Ooh. Well, uh, what do you say we take a break before we hear from Alex and uh, maybe get into a little news? Cool. Sounds good. I like the news. Yep. Good news is news. Yeah. Or news is good news. Something like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. And now, with all the news from inside the RC helicopter hobby, we bring you the Rotor Report. Let's get into the Rotor Report. Do a little news here. So, Alex, you're up first. What you got? So, uh, this is not necessarily new news. Uh, it was posted on Helifreak a while back. Um, but I'm, I, I have not looked into this too hard. And I would like for someone to comment here, or if you would... And you've got a new fly barless uh, Evo fly barless. Will, will you open it and take a picture of the sensor that, or just take a picture of the board so we can see it? Because there's been a report uh, and you can find that thread on Helifreak that the new ones are censoring, sending with new sensors that don't have to be glued. So I would like more confirmation because that picture is the only one I've been able to find. If there's a new sensor in the fly barless unit or not. So. Yeah, it's definitely a different shape. Yeah, it's definitely a different shape. 
I would like I would like close up. Like, is there a part number on there that we can read and confirm that it's a different sensor? I'm curious too if that sensor has any. Does it improve the performance of the Evo, or is it equal to performance of hot glued Evo? I mean, they were they did this throughout the whole time that the Neo was around. Also, they wouldn't tell you when there was kind of like a new revision that went out. So they were just constantly updating it, but not necessarily calling it a new unit or anything like that. But they would constantly be making updates. So. If you find, if you open up your Neos and you got one when they first came out, it's a different design than it is later on. Interesting. Okay. We need an insider at Mikado. We, we, need, we need more information about this. And actually, uh, I don't believe Mikado USA has knowledge of when this stuff happens also. They're, they're the, the distributor, but they are, they are not Mikado uh, home base, which is why if you've got a problem or something like that, they tell you you've got to contact Germany because they want Germany to hear from the U.S., customer base and not just hear from them so that's that's why if you've ever contacted Mikado usa that's how you call please please send this to germany like they want germany to know the u.s flyers are important and here's what's going on with us so yeah they're all about vistabi um yes, they like they all that traffic to go through their website it's not in my opinion not the most friendly way to do things but if you can take the time to do it that's the way you're going to make a difference with Mikado is getting on there and doing it no Yep. So no, someone that's got a new Evo FBL, please take a picture of it and post it up from the inside. Yep. Not the case, the board. And if you're having difficulties with your Evo FBL, like write about it, like hit up Vistabi, let them yeah. know. Writing them it on Facebook specifics. doesn't help, unfortunately. Yeah. The, the more they know about what's right. going on in the real world, uh, the more it'll continue to improve. Yeah. We're just kind of curious about the differences. Yep. Um, more in Mikado news. They've got a new software coming out for your uh, the Touch. So that's the Classic Touch and the the Evo, the new transmitter, will both be updated. December 2nd, they're saying, which is, they used to do these Christmas upgrade updates all the time. They would come out with a Christmas thing that was a lot of new things. So they've got new themes and skins uh, for the screen, uh, a new battery ID sensor, and quote-unquote, many more enhancements. So there will be a uh, like a VTV presentation about it on Saturday, December second, uh, six PM. What time zone is that in? UTC. That's probably Germany time or European. I don't know what UTC stands for, but that's the time zone indicator. But it'll be six PM Germany time. But that's all on the transmitter. There's no software. They're not talking about software on the flybarless units right now. Sounds good. And then right on. you want me to finish my. My new segment? Yeah. We're going to rotate through this. Okay. Uh, SAB has also announced some new stuff. So they've got a new Kraken S out with, uh, it's a new color scheme, the orange and blue. If you've seen it, it's beautiful. But there's also some small incremental improvements on the mechanics, Uh, a new flybar, I'm sorry, a new ESC mount. So on the old ones, the ESC mount was on this like 3D printed plastic thing that could kind of pendulum and move up and down with the weight of it. And the new one, it's hard mounted. So I think that'll take some, some small movements away, which is just less for your flybarless unit to have to deal with those kind of movements. Does it attach so. on the front now? So instead of just floating, it's got a, like yep. a front brace or, okay. Yeah. A whole, nice. whole new frame really. It looks like a new side frame. It looks, it looks nice. I was not a fan of the way it just kind of hung off the front, but it was, it worked. Uh, and on the Kraken, yeah. When the canopy went around it, I'm sure it secured it to where it wasn't actually flapping. But if you ever flew it without the canopy, it was definitely a little like springboard going on. Is there 
I'm not familiar with the Kraken insides off the top of my head, but is there any room to mount the fly barless underneath the ESC now? Kind of like you no. can on a Spectre or no? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. no. No, fly barless location didn't move. It's just more supports for the ESC. And then that same color is now going to be available on the 420, which I have not seen pictures of people who have received those yet posted up. But uh, if it's if it's as beautiful looking as the new Kraken S is, then it'll be awesome. So which orange Kraken do you like better? Old school Kraken orange or new orange, white, blue Kraken? Well, I think I've, I've got tired. Maybe this is because I got tired of looking at the old one because they've been around for a while. So the new thing to me looks, it looks amazing. I really like the new one. It's brighter, a little less, you know, darker colors in it than the old school one. Yeah, it looked good. I still love that, that blue and yellow Kraken. Um, I had that. Awesome. I'm tired of that. I like the new blue. <laughs> <laughs> blue <laughs> so, uh, That's been my favorite Kraken. Uh, although the grayscale Kraken that somebody had was amazing too. I think that might have been Jason Blaylock's, but I forget. That's all I got all for right. the news today for me. All right. Thanks, Alex. Uh, over to you, Kenny. Uh, what do you got? Just checking out the XL Power uh, World Championship kits are starting to ship and find their way into people's hands. There's just a few so far that we've seen um, on the like the Thailand heli blowout. We see some videos and a few others posting their builds and photos. And it seems like a lot of people are enjoying it. We're very pleased with the, the way the models turned out in the build. Uh, I kind of like the, the bright canopy on the orange canopy. looks pretty nice. I think they lightened that also, I guess. is I'm not sure exactly fantastic. what they did to that. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be a lighter layup. A little thinner, I think, as well. But yeah, it's definitely lighter than the stock canopy. Yeah, it looks like that. And the, having the new tail mechanics and um, all the small details that they change and stuff are probably um, worthy upgrades. And it's tempted me to take a look at getting, you know, upgrading to the newer model just to see how everything is now and give it a try. You know, maybe build another one. It's been a while since I built mine when they first came out. Right on. Also, uh, let's see. Another thing I saw was. Um, Scorpion Power Systems posted a video and or a picture on um, Facebook, and it was just a kind of a suggestive photo that looks appears that they're building a new BEC, possibly either for an internal or external. I don't know if it's going in an ESC or not. It's hard to tell by how it looks, but it's showing 12 volt output that's covered up. But I mean, I would assume that has to be what it is. And, and the, the picture is a little vague because they also show on the telemetry of the transmitter like 90, 92 amps. I mean, I don't know if that's coming from just the telemetry in general where they tested, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I have to think, I saw mm-hmm. that too, that that it's got to be a 12-volt BEC. Now, whether it's standalone or it's going to be like, you know, uh, available with, I would I would guess, probably the 200 and the 300 amp. I, I don't know. They have a 130 as well, right? I don't know if they would bother with it. Yeah, it'd there, be probably one of the top three. And, and if they're pulling 92 amps on their servos, I want to see this. <laughs> I feel like that's more aimed at the large scale yeah, uh, airplane exactly. guys than helicopters. Yeah, that's what it would be. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's 12 volt helicopter servos coming out from KST and Torque and somebody else had them, I thought, but we'll see if that catches on. I know there's definitely guys trying it. Yeah, Uh, they have a Neo running in the picture also. So maybe, you know, they're running the Neo on the lower side of the voltage where you can selectable for your, you know, that makes sense. You can run lower to that and maybe run your servos relayed through this BEC is what it sounds like. So you could still have Mm -hmm. the option of running 12 volt servos on your, you know, 7.8 
8.4 system is what it looks like to me. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, it kind of looks like they're making a relay system so you could mount that and throw on 12-volt servos and not have to switch your flywireless system. Huh. So that's just a whole... Just looking at it a little closer. No, that's interesting, but that just adds a whole lot of points of failure. So now you're coming out of your flywireless into this voltage bucker for lack of the proper term yeah kind of like airplanes with like the whole you know power boards expander system i I guess i mean it's all good if everything's intact and you glue your wires in you have no faulty wires or anything you you know it can be a good system as in a sense you just have to have it all secured very well you know it's heli's keeping everything simple is a lot more safe in that sense anyway but it's a cool option i mean as long as you do it right i guess it would be a great uh option if you want to run some high voltage servos yeah Cool. Right on. Well, I look forward to hearing more from Scorpion on that one. And one more thing is uh, Matt Bodos posted a photo also. He's testing. I guess he's got the first test batches in on his new rail blades, and they look pretty awesome. I mean, the the design and the um, paint job looks pretty cool, too. I don't know if you guys took a look at those or saw them on Yeah, the scheme is super cool. Yeah, it's awesome looking. Yeah, they're supposed to be a little more agile, so I guess they're, you know, trailing edge you know weighted a little bit more so they're more snappy than the original rail blades i would assume um possibly a cord change i would say maybe wider for a you know more grab in the air so these should be pretty interesting to see and they're coming out with the 696 and i think the 716 millimeter length also and they'll be in stores i think he said in early 2024 yeah i uh all right matt botus don't get mad at me here um but i was having a conversation with someone about rail blades and I, I guess I'm really shallow in this regard, but the design of a blade has to work for me. If I don't like the art on top of a blade, I won't fly it, which is terrible, right? It could be the best flying blade in the world, but I'm like, no, I don't like the look of it. And I got to say, I didn't love the old look of the rail blades, but this new design, the new graphics look awesome. I'm totally Yeah, they look catchier no, and like the white strip on the outer edge might help a lot too for just visibility in general. Mm-hmm. I am definitely going to pick up a pick up a set of the 716s as soon as they're available. I uh, I really want to try those out. Uh, Matt also mentioned um, that the 696 are geared especially for nitros and apparently are awesome blades on nitro helicopters. Um, so I'm excited to yeah, try. One those thing on is, my if nitros. you crash a few sets later on down the road and you try to mismatch a couple pairs together, you're not going to. Um, Matt's going to be able to know you did that because he's got half the synergy logo on one blade and half on the other i think right no i didn't see that <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. it looks like they piece together so it's kind of neat but he's gonna point you out <laughs> I, i'm already trying to predict your jokes kenny i thought you were gonna make some sort of bad pirate joke about all the r's <laughs> oh no i can probably think of one no just give me a minute <laughs> <laughs> but you know fellas speaking of matt though and, and, you know, Synergy RC has kind of been on a roll lately releasing some of the replacement parts for their 516, mainly, the uh, Synergy 516 bird. Um, there's a new tail shaft that's out there now, main shaft, um, the feather and spindle, uh, even the tail belt um, is, is available now. Um, for purchase, right? And more parts are on the way too. I mean, Matt's diligently working on getting more parts for the 516 um, available for folks to purchase. He's also testing some new uh, main gears um, that are set to be available for the 516. And I believe some of the other birds as well um, for the Synergy line there. So 
Um, I said, you know, uh, a lot of folks put their their five sixteens or any synergy bird into kind of this cryo free state, right? Because they didn't want to crash it, knowing that you know Matt was working on uh, producing spare parts for us. So I'm here to tell you guys, especially if you own five sixteens, go ahead and pull them out of that freeze tank, get them thawed, and uh, you know dust them off, and you can take it to the sky again. I mean, I think it's a good job what Matt's done. Um, so congratulations to Matt and Synergy and, uh, keep up the good work, man. Everybody's excited about seeing those parts come out. So keep it going, Matt. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I hope there's a lot of excited Synergy folks and, and Rob Bingham, if you're listening, feel free to ship me that 516 anytime I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to buy this 516 off of Rob for, oh, I don't know, several months now. And, and maybe one day we'll complete the deal, but, uh. Good to know. I'll have I don't spares know. Parts available now. He might just be like, oh, "I'm sorry, Nick." <laughs> I know. Maybe that was his plan all along to take so long yeah. to ship the thing that uh, spare parts would be available again. <laughs> uh, what else you got, Brian? Yeah, and other news too. I mean, so you know, last uh, episode we we talked about a lot of the Black Friday uh, specials that were coming out, but now Black Friday has since passed, and I'm pretty sure everyone saw tons of the hobby retailers posting on Facebook, or if you subscribe to some of their emailers, your inboxes were just flooded with, with specials and deals multiple times per day, you know, um, leading up to Black Friday, hell, even after Black Friday for, you know, the Cyber Monday, in which some, some of the uh, retailers say, well, this is our Cyber Week. So people are just keeping the sales going on. So um, really cool sales out there. I mean, we saw SAB kits 20% off again. We saw, some, you know, the XL Power um, trade-in offer that was there. Super cheap Goose Guy birds, the S1 um, at A-Main. Um, flash sales of SAB, again, were up 30%. I mean, it was a ton of sales going on. Um, my buddy, uh, sorry, my buddy went to, yep. he was been, he's been wanting to grab a Tron 90. You know, he was flying the a line X in nitro for, I think he's had it since I came out, you know, three years or so or longer. And it's really beat up. And, and then he went on there and, and he, he's, I didn't even know, see it was on there 15% off. I think on the Tron kits for yeah. either black Friday, the day before. Mm-hmm. And they also had that 10% off um, site wide code. And it was pretty cool. He was able to stack those and do 25% off of the kit, which is pretty cool. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. What about you guys? Did you guys uh, buy anything? Any specials did you guys take advantage of? I bought something. I did too. Waiting. I I've been waiting to share that in my time, though. Do you want me to share that now? Come on, Alex. What did you What'd buy? You and I bought a I bought a 580 Nitro, so Nick and I will be building those at the same time. Sweet. Nice. Sweet, sweet. I bought a Radio Master TX-16 with the AG-01 Whoa. gimbals in them. Nice. Oh, very cool. Those How come? Not that you shouldn't buy it, but I'm curious as to why you bought it. I bought it to replace my Jetty radio. So I'm, I'm planning on getting rid of the Jetty, jetty and then the, this is the four-in-one thing. So now I'll have a bind-and-fly radio again for yeah. Horizon-type stuff. Uh, it'll bind mm-hmm. to the Goose Guys with no receiver on it. And then I'm going to put yep. some receivers in my, my sail plan in my Discus launch and go back to... I'm going to be moving nice. it all over. So I'm excited to only have that instead of having to carry around different type stuff for whatever I'm doing. So 
I'm looking forward Sweet. to it. I'm excited about it. I also I also bought that in my endeavor to continue the I want to I want to go on to how to do this hobby affordably. So that's nice. part of my testing for that too. Yeah. I'm excited. About, I'm super excited about it. That radio and the, and I feel like the FR Sky radios are like the best choice for like totally. budget entry into the hobby. So powerful. Yep. Yeah. 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 But I'm super pumped about the the 580. Um, I'm I'm planning to make that my. I'm going out to fly at lunch machine where you just need a receiver pack and you don't have to have anything else with you. Except That's fuel. awesome. So you can just walk out your office or whatever and yeah, it's go a drive. Yeah, I gotta drive a little bit, but yeah, I could I could take a lunch and go do that. So nice, nice. Yeah, that is very cool. Very cool. I uh, but finally, I mean, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I, go ahead, Nick. I too took That's advantage right, of some Black Friday some sales. Cool. Uh, all right what did you get i, I like bought this. i like the i buy portion an additional <laughs> pack of tron velcro battery straps because i needed one more what the uh, life doesn't know section <laughs> yeah. and oh, that kenny because i really like to have a good time i saw scott graham's post of the v control handle replacement that has the little kickstand and i got one of those oh yeah Very that's cool, cool. yeah that's kind of neat and, and that's it. Yeah. So I spent like a whopping $12 or something on Black Friday. Nice. <laughs> I want a little bananas, but um, it, uh, it was oh. all getting delivered. And I was like, it's Christmas morning. Only. <laughs> it's just for me. <laughs> Those guys are the best. <laughs> when, I, when I got yeah. it in Nitro the first time, every day was like Christmas. Because by the time you buy all the support equipment and the helicopter and all the yeah. stuff. And then anyway, it was awesome. Yeah. Sorry, Brian, but, I digress. But no, no, all good. I mean, myself, though, I, I didn't purchase anything for Black Friday. I did everything before Black Friday like an idiot. But, yeah, I could have taken advantage of a lot of these sales. You know, I, I look at some of the servos that I bought. They were 20% off. And I was like, holy cow, I should have taken advantage of that. But I don't know. Again, I was overzealous and just, you know, wanted to get this stuff really quick. So I purchased stuff a couple of weeks ago. So all good, though. The retailers probably like that more than you know, giving me 20% off yeah. of it anyway. I always laugh though, <laughs> when people buy like a kit, like the week before Black Friday, I'm like, what are I you know, doing? I know. You literally I know. can save like yep. $200 if you dude. just waited Absolutely. a week. Absolutely. And you know, and that kind of leads into, you know, what one of the bigger sales that we all saw, right? We talked about, I think everyone was talking about it was the uh, Excel Power Trade-In offer, right? And, you know, and just breaking it down, right? I mean, if you had a, a five to 600 size helicopter, you could expect to pay like 30%, 35% off of the retail price. So you would be paying about 340 to 360 US dollars for the Nimbus 550 kit. I mean, that's nothing. I, mean, I know, that is that's absolutely so cheap. Nothing. Really good. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And then you get up to the 700, 800 size helicopters, right? If you traded one of those in, you could grab a Spectre V2 kit, 550 bucks, right? US dollars. Or an enemy kit for 569 US dollars. Oh, I mean, I that is just... The enemy was in there too. Yep. Yes, it's, it's in there as well, man. And uh, it's just like, wow. Nitro, right? Nitro fans. You could have traded in any 700 size Nitro bird for a Spectre Nitro for 640 US dollars, the kit, right? I mean, that's amazing. That's just amazing. I mean, it's... Again, I think... You know, we talked about, you know, you know, are they making money? And I don't know if it was really about money, man, more than just saturation, right? Just trying to get these yeah, birds absolutely. out to the fun flies and things like that. I mean, you know, they make the money up probably in the parts that folks buy, right? 
so that was my my thought behind you know just trying to get these out there i mean it was great deals so hopefully everyone took advantage of it you know i don't know what uh uh, who's this Scott uh, Laura over at um, Cajun Aircraft, what they do with all those trade-ins. But um, again, uh, you know, that initial thought of donating them to schools for robotic uh, purposes, things like that. I mean, that would have been really cool. So, but, you know, uh, a lot of companies, a lot of the retailers took advantage of this, not just, you know, Cajun Aircraft. I mean, we have folks in the UK, right? The Align uh, T-Rex store, for example, took advantage of it. You got the Heli Shop from Germany, um, Heli Coach, um, Australia, uh, Marku um, in Korea. Uh, you got Boss RC and, and, uh, in Canada. And then uh, you got the Farfast guys that are up in Canada as well. So tons of people took advantage of the, the trade-in offer. And I hope everyone was uh, you know, able to, to take advantage of it as well. So. I hope at least one of those gets into the hand of that guy you see on Facebook that's like in India that built a helicopter out of some gutter pipes. Oh, my and, goodness. I know, saw that. <laughs> tries to take off in the backyard with people standing Somebody 20 feet away. Somebody send that guy a B2Kit, man, please. Send that guy a B2Kit, please. You could use it as a model to, like, you know, design the full scale. <laughs> oh, uh, He could have took a box of, of, of crashed helicopters and put something together. I swear, man. <laughs> that's awesome. And everybody's standing close like it's a safe option to – Watch a takeoff on that. <laughs> Don't forget, too, that trade-in offer goes all the way through the end of the year. So if you maiden your Black yeah, Friday purchase and stuff it in the yeah, ground, nice. you can uh, trade it in for a new helicopter. So plenty of time. You get outside in the cold, the freezing cold, and your hands get numb and your helicopter falls out of the sky. Guess what? You can box it up. <laughs> 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 Send it in for a very inexpensive Spectre V2. So. Kudos, man, to that program. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And and it's cool. I'm I'm excited to hear what all these companies are gonna do with the the spares. I know Scott it in the US has talked about, like you said, finding a, a robotics program or someone who will recycle the servos and, and parts and stuff. So that's cool. Right. All right. So I was uh really enjoying spending the rainy weekend uh watching some of the videos coming out of the Thailand Heli blowout. Uh kind of a three oh, D yeah. competition slash not really a fun fly, but 3D competition and pro pilot exposition, maybe, is the totally right word. Some of the hardest flights yeah. I've seen in a long time, right? Oh, my, oh my God. Yes. If you have not seen any of these flight videos, you need to go find them. Um, Amazing. And we'll talk about Amazing. it in a second where you can find some of them. But uh, I felt like, for me, the Goose Guy RS-7 was kind of the star of the show in some ways. I know there were also some other new helicopters there. The OMP M7 was there. The new. Uh, Kenny Co. edition of the Spectre was there as well. They were all being flown real hard by their prospective uh, pro pilots. Kenny Co. Jonas uh, was there from OMP. Uh, yeah, I saw one RS picture today. There was like, I saw seven or eight RS7s lined up in a row, it looked like. Oh, yeah. They, uh, they were cranking them out. I think some of those showed up like literally built by Goose Guy and handed to pilots who like came out and flew to Thailand. Like, here's your brand new helicopter. Like, give it a try um, kind of deal. Which is great that they that they managed to get them together for the for the event, but they were definitely there in force, man. Like like you said, there were you know seven or eight of them there. Uh, the event coverage I saw was mostly around the RS sevens, although I saw a few other videos as well. We've got some more details on the helicopter now. There are lots of you know close up photos. There's a, a walk around video you can find on Facebook now. Uh, it looks like it's probably going to be a really lightweight helicopter. The frame is super simple. 
there's not a lot to it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Kind of a traditional, you know, main gear and pinion setup. Uh, no boom supports. It's got a round boom of apparently just a tiny bit narrower than the raw boom for a size comparison. Uh, traditional servo layout. Uh, it's just a super efficient design. It looks like a really low parts count um, from looking at it in photos, but uh, we'll see. But Goose Guy also took advantage of the press time to announce some new team pilots, uh, the most notable of which is uh, Duncan Bossian out of France, uh, has come over to the Goose Guy team, and he was just absolutely killing it on the sticks with the RS-7. They were some just, animal flights, dude. Just destroyed. I mean, Duncan can fly anything. It, yeah, when he was in Winter Bash a few years back, like he was doing rolling circles three or four inches on, off the ground, you know, 100-foot yeah. circles, like like not even, you know, no diversion from the exact height off the ground. He's super precise. That's I mean, he's, he'll go into the ground sometimes, but he does some amazing stuff. His his deck work, I mean, I feel like he has mastered the art of having the tips of the blades like an inch above the pavement at all times. It's it's unreal watching him flip that thing that low to the ground. It's wild. Uh, but there there's a flight you should definitely check out. Right now, I've only seen it. It's in the, the Heli Direct Heli Addiction Facebook group. Um, although I think it might be some on the Goose Guy Facebook page as well. One flight that Duncan did in particular that we're all talking about here, but just beats the living snot out of the helicopter, tons of deck work in it, tears it around the sky, and then does this unreal auto at the end and brings the thing in upright. I think he skid bumps it and then manages somehow after skid bumping this thing on an auto to roll it, do a complete it roll. Look so like it's, it's going to make it. It doesn't. It's like six inches off the ground inverted and he manages to roll it back upright and skid it into a landing. It just unreal finished an amazing yeah. flight. Um, I was I was blown away. I, I gotta say I have like sometimes I get like 3D flight fatigue video like you watch too many videos of guys you know beating up on helicopters but that video I don't know there's something about Duncan that like, I can watch that over and over again. It's really good. Yeah I agree. It's just it's just stupendous. Um uh, Tarek Al-Sadi was also there. He uh, was flying a bunch of different helicopters there, but uh, he was put on some great flights on the RS-7. He had all his RAWs out there as well. Uh, word is the RS-7 is expected to be released sometime in January of 2024. No pricing yet. And I got to say, man, I do not need another 700 electric at all. But I all say tempted. Yeah. I don't need one. I have no justification for one. I just... <laughs> I don't know. I love seeing a new brand come to that size. And at least initially, it's early yet, look like it's going to be successful. Certainly flew great and held up in the hands of a bunch of guys beating on it all weekend. So uh, I'm psyched for Goose Guy. I think it's going to be, you know, it's great to have another brand in that size of the market. Um, you know, much the same as OMP coming to that size as well. Good for them. After, I know, Kenny, you said you're thinking about getting an M7. Any change of heart after seeing the RS7 or still thinking M7? Yeah, I mean, it might even be both. It's I don't need anyone just like you, but it might end up being both. Oh, <laughs> I wow. saw the um, M7. Yeah. yeah. Those two. I, I don't I have to keep a, It's like a carousel. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the um, Tariq flew the, the M7 also. He, Jonas um, let him fly that, and it looked pretty solid, too. I guess they only just did like a side flight thing you know just to give them a test maybe that's the only one they had there i'm not sure that heli's very interesting looking up close there was a few close-up shots um that gerard guy i think that was there got pictures of and it's pretty uh unique you know with the molded lower frames and everything 
I think the battery tray is part of the lower frames. It's like uh, channels in the frame and everything. Looks cool. Yeah, and we both look cool. See some specs on both, see which one's heavier. I mean, not that that super matters, but I'm just curious what the finished weights of both of them are. Yeah. As what I'm well. looking for in them is like uh, frame stability, like when they're doing side TikToks and stuff, you know, sometimes you see a lot of wiggle going on, you know, side to side, when, and it, they look both pretty solid, you know, front is to back that, and side to side. Is that the pilot or the helicopter? Could be either, but sometimes you can tell if it's just the frame, you know, itself not laterally stable, you know, you can kind of see in some of the kits where there's more flop, like the older helis had, you know, the original sab you know 700 and stuff you had a little more of a loose feel to it you know even older t-rexes and stuff you could just feel the design's a lot different than it is nowadays you know and you can see that in some of the flight characteristics of the newer models Mm -hmm. and they seem to show pretty solid you know stability well after hearing all that kenny i think you need to buy an m7 and an rs7 and then got a fly made them both and then come back here and share your thoughts that may happen that's a deal sold All right, coming towards the end of the news, but still have a few things left. We're going to introduce kind of a new fun new segment here. It's a new segment called the Rotor Replay. And uh, in these segments, we're just going to talk a little bit about something we've seen online. We think you might want to go ahead and check out and watch yourself. With that, Alex, take it away. Oh, man, I watched this. This is the parody video of Mikado where where it's it's Hitler in the As soon room. as he sits down, you know it's gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, Hitler yeah. sits down and he's already Every scratching his head so and pulling his hair out. I yes. actually watched this entire thing with Doug on the phone with me and every time you watch it you like find whoever put this together did such a good job. Like the <laughs> Can, can you describe it for those that haven't seen it? Okay, so okay, there, there's Hitler sitting at the table, and it's all his people are in there, and he's it, he's like got the map. If you if you've ever seen this, it's him sitting there with a map, and he's drawing out a map talking about how Germany. Well, I don't know what he's really talking about because I don't speak German, but it it looks like he's talking about how Germany is going to take over. You know, the, this is the battle plan. Except the battle this is, plan this is, is footage from a movie, right? Like it's a, yeah, like it's World War Two movie. Yeah, yeah, but it's. Instead, the battle plan is we're going to take over the world with our evil flybarless system. And then uh, one of the other reps is in there. One of the other generals or something is in there. He goes, um, there's been a, there's been a, a slight problem in, in research and development. And then he, he starts shaking and he tells everyone to get out of the room <laughs> and goes on a rant about uh, what else is there to fly because only old people fly Futaba. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you guys you, you guys all watched it, right? Oh hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you watch it to the end when he's he, he says who out there loves Spectrum? He's like, I think you have to like bring me my spectrum. We're all gonna have to go back to Spectrum or something. <laughs> so when I first saw it, um as a Mikado junkie, I was kinda like, I don't like this. But the more you see it and you just got to take it it's so there's a lot of there's a lot of truth in it and it's just it's so funny and i wanted to share it and then i was like oh i don't want to kick mikado when they're a little down but i'm like it's just too good it's too funny it hits the nail on the head i'm so sorry for brian and and gorgon for this thing going around because i know they're sick of hearing about (laughs) any of that stuff but man it's funny i know it's way too funny 
Whoever put that together, props, man. Everything you put in there was so good. I like it. I like the rotor replay. Yeah, me too. Yes. We'll uh we'll do our best to find uh the one thing you need to go back and find uh from Absolutely. the past couple of weeks. Definitely. And if we go can, find we'll put that. that on our Facebook page, a link to these videos we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yes. You can find the Mikado highlight on the RC Heli Hangout Facebook group. Uh, yep. is where I saw it. All right. But speaking of events, let's head on to event news. So just a quick reminder about the Torches Funfly, last one in the US. Uh, that's December 8th, 9th, and 10th in the Orlando area at the Torches Club Field. You'll find both Kenny and Alex there. Maybe me, but boatloads of other great pilots. I'm not included in the great pilots list, by the way. Uh, and be sure and take a look at this last shot out of Funfly in the US in 2023. So since we had Mr. Shaw on to uh, pitch the Torches event, uh, we've actually had some other folks start to reach out to us with events for next year here in the US. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Leroy Hall, who's one of the organizers of this Cincy Smackdown event, uh, is coming up in June of 2024. Leroy wants you all to go ahead and get that on your calendars. So, uh, with more details on that, let's, uh, let's hear from Leroy. Thanks, Nick, for letting me come on here tonight. Uh, I just wanted to go over a few things. I, um, want to talk about one of the most important parts of our year here in Cincinnati is the Cincy Smackdown. For a little bit of history, um, We've been going on since 2008. Here's 2023. That's 15 years. I've um, been doing it for the last uh, five. Next year, we went six year doing it. I can't tell you how exciting it, it is to have the opportunity to you know, bring so many great people together and um, show so many great products from so many great great sponsors. And we have a really good time there each year. Um, you know, usually Friday night or Saturday night. My good brother Adam Barkargi. Um, Comes out and makes some amazing pizzas for us. We got a little little oven that he pulls out. It's like a wood wood fire oven and makes that happen. And uh, we usually get fed pretty night on Friday and Saturday night. We have uh, food trucks on site, uh, light towers every night. Yours truly with the, the audio. We got about four thousand watts of audio. Kicking kick a button, taking names there at the flight line. So there's there's so many people and so much so, so much uh, that happens uh, behind the scenes and make make these things happen and. So with any other event, you know, you it's uh, just bring everybody together and and uh, having a camaraderie of you know, how brothers and sisters and making it happen. You know, we got great sponsors like Hamilton Hobbies, um, Hobby Express from Scott, John Snell over Hamilton Hobbies, Hobby Villa, Mike, uh, BK Designs, Burke Cameron, Ego Drift, gets an off back, Heli Direct from uh, Sam, uh, Gooski, Frank Lee, Mikado USA, Brian Burrow with Scorpion, Miniac, Miniax, and V-Bar. Aeropanda and SMC Batteries from JC Zankel. Zero Power, Theta Servos, A-Main, Random Hell Ray Lepper, thank you so much every year. Uh, Jersey Modeler, Dean Krause, Horizon Hobbies, Nick Maxwell Products, possibly XL Power this year. Still working on the details from Raw on that. We usually, uh, you know, start early and go late in the night every night, you know, and when Saturday comes around for the raffles, it's usually like at least an hour calling off numbers and names and stuff and seeing everybody get together. It's it's pretty awe-inspiring, to say the least. So next year will be my sixth year. I look forward to many more. Good friend of mine, uh, Del Hector, Ken Samuels, Aaron Turwager, John Deo, all the Sissy crew. 
so many names, so many people that made it make all this happen every year. And um, it's it's an honor and a blessing to keep it going. Um, every event's uh, like this behind the scenes, and um, ours is no different. And um, let's try to get the word out there. And thank you, Nick, for allowing me to have the opportunity to possibly talk to, about that a little bit, you know, and get people's um, you know thoughts about possibly you know making a schedule for next year. I know it's a little bit early, but you know, early is better than later. June uh, 6th through the 9th is when it'll be going on. And uh, pretty much uh, every night, every day, they'll be the same. We start from, from, from dusk till dawn, um, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning on th- Thursday, Friday night, Sunday, comment <laughs> Saturday night. I love it. I love it. I, I love every, every bit of it. And I'd love to have you guys come out. And uh, thank you, Nick, for giving me the opportunity to talk about it a little bit. And hopefully, we can get a good group of guys out there this year. Um, normally we have between 40 and 50 guys show up, you know, each year from all parts of the U.S. You know, we've, we've had everybody from California, from Florida, uh, Michigan, um, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, all over the U.S. come to this, this event each year. Um, and, uh, we'll see what 2024 brings. We'll see you guys there and talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Leroy. Uh, Once again, be sure and uh, throw that in your calendars for June of uh, next year. And certainly if any of you have an event you'd like us to shout out anywhere in the world, not just here in the U.S., be sure and reach out to us and we'd be happy to help you spread the word. And if you I want to add this in here, if if you're someone who is listening and hasn't been to an event and thinks it would be nerve wracking to go and not know people, because I went to this Orlando event by myself the the first time I went and I didn't know anyone there. And I didn't really meet anyone there. I just sat there by myself and was enthralled with being around the hobby because I just loved yeah. watching. Yeah. But it, don't be afraid to walk up and meet people at these booths or at the tents or whatever. Like introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you find a group who's just ignoring you, that doesn't mean they're not interested in you. They're just catching up with their friends that they probably haven't seen in a while. So hang out yeah. and, and and meet some people. Don't be afraid. That's all. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't take long yeah. to just drop by anybody and they're going to be willing to either help you out or at least find out if you're interested or you'll be able to learn something pretty quickly just by stopping by and checking it out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 100%. All right. This next segment, another new segment to the news. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up watching 60 Minutes, or at least my parents watched 60 Minutes on Sunday. And I never really understood it as a kid, but I always liked the Andy Rooney segment at the end where he was this old dude who would basically just rant about stuff. So we've decided to embrace uh, the Andy Rooney and all of us and introduce a new segment called Rotor Rage. So to kick off our inaugural Roto Rage segment, once again, Alex, back to you. Dude, let me tell you something. There are some <laughs> things about this hobby that straight up piss me off. And like... And I really hate it when it happens to me and you're out with your buddies and they look at you and go, well, if, if I would ask you for advice, you would have told me that. Why would you do it yourself? So this happened to me. I, I had a machine go in. Okay. And, 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 and Kenny, it was, it was driven into concrete and my machine looked fairly mangled. And so I got it all built back together and it looks great. Like new boom, new canopy. and. I, I get out and I'm flying it and everything's great. And it just suddenly gets off kilter. Like I have no idea why. And 
And as I put it into throttle hold and I get it to level out, but realize I really have very, very little cyclic control, I go, oh, I didn't change those servo horns out and they're plastic. <laughs> You're off a oh. few degrees. It might click <laughs> and they're off, the dude. <laughs> they're freaking oh. off. So I hate when I crash something and then recrash something because I just didn't do something that I would have told my friend to do. Like I would, I yeah. knew you have to check that stuff. On my so. replacements the other day, when I put the Spectre back together, um, one of the uh, the Aerolon servo horn was like that. I was I was able to pop it up and down, and yeah, I just I was able to find it. You know, I just turned all the servos on and and pressed really hard before I. I was like the last thing I did too. I thought everything was good because it was in the right position, but then I was able to click it to the next position. You know, so it's take it off and swap it out and check all the rest of them just to make sure. You know, uh, dude, I swear I I checked this and like. My setup went perfect on it, you know. I didn't have to. T I didn't take the servo horns off, and so when I put it up and looked at it, the swash is level. Everything's moving in the right direction, and I just took off. Like I've been doing this for long enough that a I should know better, but b I'm just getting. That's just pure laziness. Like I've been doing this for a long time, and yep. I just think I know it's fine, and now it's fine. It's fine. So. Yeah, some of the horns are more noticeable. Like some of them that have the softer plastics, like the red horns or the. You can see it you can it's more smooth it'll just twist real easy where others are clickable you know you can kind of click to a different position and those are the ones that are tricky to find out if they're actually stripped or not you know i use the sab ones that are like that carbon plastic molded thing yep so yeah, yeah i like those too. Mm -hmm. that's what these were and so i crashed the same bird twice because of that oh yeah. so let me ask you this if i was your friend uh-huh i've crashed my helicopter yeah do i power up the servos and just push on the servo horns and if they feel solid and they hold call it good or are they such a cheap part i should not be lazy and pull them all off and replace them every time i crash i tell my friends they need to just, just change them dude it's worth it it's not worth doing what i just did because i pushed yep. on these a little bit not a little bit i pushed on them they were fine yeah, when I've had suspect ones, I'll change some that I know had pressure, if I can tell for sure they did, or I'll take it off and at least turn it over and make sure I don't see anything odd. You know, if you can see all the yeah. teeth look shiny and brand new, like it hasn't been twisted in any way, sure. it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. But yeah, I guess the safest bet is if you don't feel sure, take them off and replace them. Maybe they could be a backup set, you know, and tested later on. You could put them on a servo and test to see if they're stripped or not. I didn't take these off because yep. when I powered the machine up, the swash was level and it moved the right amount in both directions. So, yeah, sometimes it doesn't cross your mind if it's already all yeah. originally in the same position. Yep. I well. went through this recently with the raw nitro when it crashed and I just pushed really hard in both directions and they seemed fine and it wasn't a terrible crash and I didn't replace them, but it's always nagging in the back of my mind. Should I have just hmm. replaced them? Oh, after every crash, that's what I think. I'm like, which one is still stripped? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I would. I'm I, in the past when I've crashed, I've replaced all server horns. Maybe not the tail, but all the cyclic ones. And I will do that again in the future. Yeah, such a cheap part. Yeah. But oh yeah, I get really lazy on crash repairs. I will fully admit it. Yep. Just I do too. Like I, don't, I do not like fixing machines. I love building new machines. Fixing yeah. a broken one is not my does, favorite thing to do in the world does anybody like that does anyone like fixing broken helicopters no you know why because it's you know there's there's a a, a sequence of how you build a kit right where it all just flows together but when you have a bird already put together and now you got to pull that servo out that's 
hard to pull out because it went in first when you built the kit, right? Yeah. It just makes it difficult to repair. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. If it's just the normal repairs, it doesn't bother me. Once I it's once it's set in the corner for you know a week or two, and then I decide to fix it. <laughs> once I've got the <laughs> motivation, I'm like, okay, now's the time, yeah. and I start fixing it. Then it's like you look at it halfway through, like when you put a few pieces on your. There's like a satisfaction of, okay, now it's finally going back together. You know, there's a little bit there that changes once you get partially through the repair. You know, there is some satisfaction there, even though it's at first it's a pain. You know, like you said, getting the tweaked parts out. <laughs> Oh, yeah. the tweak parts out is just not fun to me. I, and I hate dirtying my workspace to for not a new machine. It's not something <laughs> <I'll be> exciting. <laughs> I'll be honest. I probably did the mistake everybody's done with a Spectre too. When I went to pull the boom out, I loosened the opposite two on the pinch on the rear. You oh, know, yeah. so I'm pulling and pulling, yeah. and I'm like, okay, it's the wrong two bolts. Finally, you know, to loosen the other side, it slides right out. So I wasn't fighting yeah. the bent boom. I was fighting the screws, which was a losing battle. <laughs> You know that little screw that you drive into the boom to ground it? Like, I've not removed yeah. that and pulled so hard on the boom, it like oh. tore a channel in the boom from that little <laughs> yeah. screw. Mine shoved forward and put like a little slice through the boom on the way forward. Yeah. I do I on those things there. I take that screw and I um, drill the hole. When I put the new boom on, I just use like a small 2.5 drill bit, you know, mm. and just pop a hole in them once I've got the belt tensioned. That way, it functions better than this. Like, if you just run the bolt in, it just puts a dent in the boom. It's doing absolutely nothing, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's right. the same way as the Spectre V1. It has that pin in the, in the back tail fin on the side that holds the, the tail fin and the tail casing straight. So you're better off to drill a fine hole in there. Just pop it in, you know, a few millimeters down in there without tearing up the screw threads. You know, find a drill bit that's smaller than the threads. And then when you run the screw mm -hmm. in, it places a precise, you know, hole in the boom, and it holds it in place where... It, as opposed to denting the boom, you know, and pushing it in. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right. I think uh, we're going to wrap up the news here. Uh, oh, I do have one more very exciting announcement to make. Uh, we are thrilled to announce we're now the number one hobby podcast in Finland and Guatemala. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gracias, so mi amigos. So to both of you <laughs> listeners uh, responsible for that one, we want to say thank you. Uh, in all seriousness, that was a fun little email I got from our podcast service. Maybe we have two people from Thailand now. They're going, I mean, hey, know, hey, maybe. oi, oi. Uh, but yeah, we got a great email. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We got this great email that said, you're number one in Finland and Guatemala. Anyway, that uh, that cracked me up. But what I am pretty excited to share, though, on a, on a more serious note, and thanks to you in Finland and Guatemala, uh, is that we're now listened to in 32 different countries. So oh, uh, crazy. by the numbers, roughly a third of our listeners are not based in the United States. So just about 33% of our listeners come from outside of the US. So I do want to try and be mindful of that and try and, you know, uh, make sure we include event coverage and other things for our European and other nation listeners. So if you have a fun fly or event you want to shout out that's not in the US, let us know. If there's something interesting going on in your part of the world that you think we should cover, uh, not just on the news, but maybe have as a guest, you know, let us know. We would uh, certainly love to make this podcast not just centered around uh, the United States and include our friends uh, from around the world. And on that note, if you have news you want to share, event news, uh, manufacturers, anybody else, go ahead and hit us up via email at questions at rotorevolution.live. And that is it for the news this week.
fun. I kind of dig the the, the rotor rage and the uh, the rotor replay. Uh, yeah. Kind of some fun new segments. Uh, looking forward nice. to finding more stuff for that. Uh, but last but not least, Alex, uh, what have you been up to, man? I uh, thanks for asking, Nick. <laughs> You're welcome, Alex. I've been flying. I flew today. Oh, you bastard! I know. I'm today it was sixty mile an hour, sixty degrees, sunny, and like two mile an hour winds, dude. Yeah. Thank oh you. my god. Yeah. Dude. So a uh, buddy of mine hit me up and he was like, dude, we're getting out at lunch. So I picked Subway up on the way out uh, and took like a two and a half hour lunch uh, out of the field and then went back to work. It was, is it, is it too late for me to insert a new rotor rage segment about the weather you just flew in? <laughs> you know, I did just, I saw some, I laid it right here on my table and I didn't mention it. We can always do it later, but there was uh, on page 25 of the um, model aviation, there's um, Urcha Jamboree mentioned with some pictures and stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, and Brian, you no, were on. Wait, Model how did we not do that? That's right, I was on the cover. I totally, I just, Woo! I have it too and forgot. Yeah. Oh, this just in. We now have breaking news. Yeah. Yes. Mr. Let's, Brian let's Birdsong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To it. Cover boy there of is. Model Aviation Magazine. There's some other lesser known <laughs> pilots on the cover, but Brian Birdsong <laughs> is the star. No, that was, that was really cool, man. I'm so happy and honored to... Uh, uh, stand aside, uh, you know, our strong Team USA pilots. I mean, those guys were phenomenal. Nick, Jamie, and, and Cade um, did a great job in the F3N competition of Worlds and placed first. And uh, we were able to stand up on the podium and uh, get a nice picture. And we made the cover yeah. of Model Aviation magazine. Cool. So kudos to the team. You're officially awesome. a celebrity. Ow. I can't believe I almost <laughs> forgot to mention that. Thanks, Kenny, for including that. That's been on the tip of my tongue all day thinking about yeah. it because yeah. I literally just had that magazine on my kitchen counter a minute ago. Uh, anyway, Alex, we totally jumped all over you. That's so okay. You were That's okay. being mean and telling us that it was 60 degrees and no wind with yeah. lunch and helicopters. All right. Well, I have more reasons that I had to do it. So um, the AGO one gimbals for my V control had come in and I installed them last night. Uh, so. I really wanted to get out and try those. Uh, I also, uh, I'll, I'll get, I'll get back to this. I'm gonna come back to this. I also had built a, a my raw 500 and I crashed it on the maiden day. It wasn't the maiden flight. Oh. But let's, yeah, let's talk about rotor rage again. Uh, I, the, the, it, in the manual, it tells you what it recommended servo horns it has, and it doesn't have. You know, it, it tells you to drill to screw the. The ball links in, but not necessarily use a nut on the back side of them. But it needs a this, nut, huh? The, the silence is deafening. It needs a nut. <laughs> well, it needs a nut, especially if you don't have the recommended servo horn, which is the SAB horn. I don't have any of those sitting around. Yeah. And so I just used the ones that were in the servo case, the small, really yep. thin ones that mm -hmm. come in the Theta servo box. Mm -hmm. It broke. Oh, so yes. it, what's weird is that so it didn't break did it in the pull air. out. No, it freaking snapped in half, dude. Like I didn't, oh. I didn't drill it out. I just screwed it in. It was really hard. And I was like sitting there pressing oh, on it. This is yes. another one of those things where I was like, I was just excited. And I just wanted to put this freaking thing together. So you created a stress. I, I created that. a stress factor in it. Yeah, absolutely. And so it flew like three times. And then I went out to spool it up one time and it just tipped over on spool up. But it was it, it was fully spooled up 
before it oh. tipped. Like my bank three is three thousand RPM on that thing. It was ripping when it tipped Ooh. over. So I hit throttle Ow. hold. Oh. Yeah, I hit throttle hold, and all it did was break the blades. And uh, the 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 blade grip is a plastic blade grip, so I totally lucked out. Like nothing else was broken on the machine. So I put new servo horns in it. All new servo horns all the way around. What, what, what is it with you and servo horns? I'm detecting I don't a know. pattern here. Uh, I know, yeah, right? I know. I have, I've been lazy. I have totally gotten lazy in the hobby, which I have built so many machines and had a lot of success. And I haven't had, I feel like I haven't had learning moments lately. And I've had these two. So. I got to say, while we're talking about Theta horns, I really like the composite Theta servo horns, not the mm-hmm. white plastic too. ones they come with, but the I, I do too. This was those, except the ones that come in these little micros or mini servos or whatever oh. I put in the raw. It just, they, yeah. they aren't as good. So, yeah. Um, but that thing was a lifesaver. It was like, it was like a hundred bucks total for blades and the grips. And I ordered multiple grips and I really wanted to get back out and fly it with the AGO1 gimbals. The AGO1 gimbals are interesting because when you get used to a transmitter, you not only get used to the way it feels and the spacing of it in your hands and where your thumbs and fingers touch everything, but you get used to how long the throws are in each direction as well. And I talked about that. I was messing with that for Taba Radio and the throws are, are, are different lengths. Well, the AG1 gimbals are longer throws than what are on the standard Mikado V-Control Radio. They're adjustable also, so you can adjust how long the throws are. But I've decided I wanted, I wanted the extra re- resolution you get with longer throws. Right? You can make more finite adjustments and things like that. So I'm trying to get used to that. These gimbals feel fantastic. And f- actually flying them and not just using them on the simulator, because I had them on the sim last night, you, you can make more smaller fine-tuned adjustments. So... Uh, I run 14 degrees of pitch at 2200 on my electric, and it can feel kind of pitchy on V control with the regular Shriek. gimbals. It, well, I think he's got to run like more, more than that. He's got to be running <laughs> all like of it. 2400. That's all of it. Um, but it doesn't feel pitchy anymore. It's really interesting. It feels nice, and you can just you can attack there at the very end when you want to, if you want to pull out of something or make it pop. So I thought that was super cool. I liked that. I don't want to give them a full review because I need more time with them. And same with the 500. I need more time on it. I've gotten maybe, you know, six or seven flights on the AGO ones and maybe 10 on the raw. So I need some more time with it. But I was super stoked to get out and fly and have the weather we did today. It was incredible. It was short sleeves and, you know, the sun was out. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. Nice. How, so uh, cool. how was the install of the AGO one? Uh, I made a video of myself installing it. It will be on my YouTube thing that I do. Um, I need to edit it because the video is way too long. It took me an hour. Uh, And I would say the worst part about the install is the ribbon cable that's inside uh, the V-Control. And you have to remove those ribbon cables. And trying to put those back in is not something I'm used to doing. And I don't have tools for it. I did not like doing that at all. I felt very uncomfortable. I was worried I was going to do something wrong with them. Uh, I don't know how breakable those ribbon cables are. Ribbon cables are. Are you guys familiar with with messing with those? Is it the type with the little flip tabs on them, or is it like the like with the actual plug? Um, I, I would. There's no plug, so flip. They like slip into like a little thin 
channel yes. kind of. Yeah, and dude, you got to yeah. push on it. It's hard and you don't have a lot of room yeah. to grab because it's on the board and it's right. flush with the board. It doesn't flip up. You slide it in and pop it back down. It was tight. So I ended up using a really long set of needle nose pliers to grab the ribbon and push it down with because you need to do it with equal force across it. And it's like a inch and a half long ribbon yeah you just don't want to touch the tips of those because you can damage them and yeah they um you only get so many in and out you know uses of those and they then they just quit working mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i didn't like that portion of it but i'm gonna i'll put my video up of installing it it was not as <laughs> i think you, if you watch if you end up watching this video i think you see i start out very confident and lose my confidence. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a white plug with a little brown tab on it, you actually take and flip the little brown tab up. It's like uh, a no, these were piece. white and they looked soldered down. I tried pulling them up. Okay, so couldn't. some of them just yeah, it slips right in. It might just have the yeah. spring loaded piece inside of it. It was super tight, man. But what I'm hearing is I should wait for mine to arrive and then just drive it down to Winter Bash and let Kenny do it. <laughs> oh, I like, I like this idea. Yes. If Kenny is good with these things, then I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'll put my video up and you guys can see what I'm talking about. I also, so I, typically at the field that I fly at in McKinney, uh, and if you live around McKinney and you're listening to this and you don't fly with us, please reach out. I end up flying alone there a lot, or there's just like one or two guys there. It's uh, Our club's pretty small, and this is a field with very few amenities. You have to bring a generator. Uh, we have cover on one side, but that's pretty much it. Um, so I took some time and drove down to uh, over to Grapevine, which is kind of got a thriving heli- helicopter community there. Um, there were like 10 of us out flying on a Saturday, which one of the guys goes, this is like a, this is like a fun fly for you. And I'm like, yeah, this is freaking awesome. There's 10 people here flying helicopters. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to be joining that club and going out there at least once a month. It's, it's about a 45 minute drive for me, which doesn't sound that long, but when your time is limited and you're trying to do it in between family things, yeah, that's more driving than I normally do just to go to the McKinney field and get back. So that's, that's a long way for me, but, um, there's some, there's a guy out there flying with us now. Jeremy Strickland, who used to live in Florida and fly with Bert and them over at the Torches Field, uh, lives around us now and hasn't been flying. Uh, and he's back flying, and he was at the, um, he was out at the the Fun Fly in Fort Worth a few about a month ago, and then he was out at Grapevine with us. And dude, that through he can throw down. He's flying a a five fifty Logo SX, and it looks so good doing it. So um, it was just fun. It's it's super cool when you end up flying alone and then you get out with a club where there's a lot of guys, man. It, it's really cool. It was exciting. Yeah. We every now and then in Atlanta, we have like a play hooky day where we convince like eight guys to go fly helis and it's like a little mini fun fly. It's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, this felt so good. I was just like, I think I literally jumped up and down and like uh, someone was out there flying. Uh, Robert Abels is out there flying the Goose Guy S2 that he had won and I like ran out there and took off with the S1 next to him when forced him into a little tandem with that. So that kind of stuff is super fun to do, you know, especially with the, those things, you're not so worried about them. I, I think Brian, you know, you're talking about how it's not that fun of a machine. It's that kind of thing that is just exciting to get out there and do this. I don't know. Those micros. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And dude, do y'all, do y'all sim? Do you play the sim? I'm I do. Yeah, I do sim. some. Yep. 
more this time of year really yeah i sim two or three times a week i i like the simulator uh, especially with the vr goggles and stuff like that so yeah. um one of the things i was telling i was telling someone i feel like i'm stuck my flying's not getting better uh i'm mm. just like plateaued like per se like you would if you're working out or something like that like you're not making any more gains uh and they were like well can you can you pure hover and i went yeah i can pure hover can you pure hover upside down i don't know because i haven't tried it so i've been working on pure hovering inverted and dude it's amazing what you can do when you work on things that you just know you're not that great at so I can feel that when I'm out, there's less orientation worry for different things that I'm doing. And like for the first time I was able to do like a Piro Pogo or it's a Piro Flip Pogo and actually control it because I can Piro hover inverted now. So I've been doing that on the sim like nonstop and you can feel it. It's cool. I'm excited. Just giving small inputs when you're upside down spinning, you can kind of teach yourself to fly in circles that way too and get out of it and change directions and everything. You can work on your, like, it, I, I tried to do it where it was like a box where I flew from left to right and then away from me, back over to the right and then toward myself and then do the box the other direction and then work into circles. That way you're purposely putting it somewhere. And then today while I was out, I pure hovered for part of my flight. That was part of my practice. So nice. That's One awesome. thing I do is uh, use using the goggles is I turn on the podcasts. listen to podcasts while you're flying i do the same thing i definitely drift away Uh, and just you know get a lot of flying time in because you're listening to podcasts at the same time yep and and i even today today my first flight was my lowest head speed is 1700 and i have my expo up to 70 and the rates on the v-bar are down to like 80 whoa so i'm like jeez i'm like purposefully hovering in each orientation as slow as i possibly can and just holding it as still as i could so that was that was pretty fun wow. to do too nice yeah i've been working on fun things and i'm excited to see flying progressing i hope it shows when you know because we do this for ourselves but it's also fun when you go to a fun fly to be able to fly well it's cool it's fun it's part of it yeah absolutely yeah i uh was a big fan of pyro upright pyro hovers when i was learning to fly um yeah just in the sim starting just to learn orientations i would put rudder trim in on the simulator uh, radio yeah. and then it would just be in a constant state of pyroing and i would try and hold it in the training circle in the sim uh, and that's how i learned my upright orientations i have not mastered it inverted because i'm terrible so what i've been trying to do lately with the goggles and all that is standing up while i do it so it really feels hmm. like you're flying and you don't have that different <laughs> yeah. feel of this is I'm sitting in my lap with my transmitter up at my chest because I'm sitting in my lap versus right, when you stand right, up and your right. hands are down. Uh, I, I think that does help, but it's it just goes back to that, man, you should see me fly in the sim. <laughs> I'm bringing, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. killer on the sim. <laughs> and Gravity then you get to the field and it's much different. Yeah, it's totally different yeah. out there. For 20 sure. bucks to the charity of your wife's choice if we can get a photo of you standing in your office with VR goggles on holding the transmitter with a neck I'm strap sure. on. I'm sure wait, yeah, well, that, that happens. And I know that it, I know that that picture exists because she's walked in and looked at me and just gone, <laughs> what, what did I marry? <laughs> Why didn't you tell me this was going to be a thing in our house, you know? <laughs> Simming would be difficult if it was like an OnlyFans. Like every time you crash, you got to donate $10. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. We'd all be a lot more careful. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, my week's been exciting, dude. I bought that 580 Nitro. Uh, this Radio Master, like I've had so much going on that my hobby's been super exciting. So I'm pumped to I'm pumped to get after it. I'm hoping that 580 Nitro really becomes my practice machine. Even though that's what I said about the Goblin 500, that's going to be my practice machine too. So I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I've got to practice machines. <laughs> I feel like the, the raw 580 electric is one of my go-to practice birds. So I feel like the nitro 580 is going to be just as good. I have not had a 580 600 size machine since 2017. So, 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 so what's, all right, here, here's a question for you guys. And, and, and it's probably a bigger topic we can have on another segment of the, uh, another episode rather, but the 500 size, 580 size nitro, I hear is kind of the, the best flying nitro bird because of its, I guess, uh, power to weight ratio or whatever the case may be. But it flies better than the 700 size just because it feels like the, you know, that, that 55 size motor is really more than enough for a 580 size frame um, as far as the power is concerned, right? So it, you know, I guess an OS 95 or, or 105 uh, for a 700 doesn't give the same uh, output as the 500 size I, would I, do so. So a lot of people feel that. I have never had that. Kenny, have you had a, a 580, 600 size nitro? I never have. So are they, are they powerful? Yeah, I mean, I, I found that sometimes if you got the wrong blade on them, like when it's got a thin cord on it, they don't have that feeling but i know what he's talking about yeah if you use a wide cord blade or even the the maximum like if you're flying a a, when it's like a stretch to where it can be a 600 blade or like a 580 blade you're not going to feel much with the 580 but if if you want a lot of loft and floatiness yeah when you put the 600 or 610 size on there it's noticeable that it's light and it feels like a lot of extra power for that size hell yeah yeah it it makes it feel like a super light bird I bought Ultimate 580s to try with the Saab S lines that come with it. So I'm going to try them both. Gotcha. Cool. Oh, I'm just excited oh, and for the economics of it. Me it's just too. a lot cheaper I'm to fly. It just consumes yeah. less nitro. Yeah, that too. Yeah, you use oh, less, less nitro. Uh, yeah. Speaking of nitro, Gregor sent me his muffler, the Absolute CNC muffler. So I'm going to have that oh, okay nice. out at. Uh, awesome. I'm going to bring that to Orlando. I can't wait to fly that thing too and get that tuned in. Sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Sweet. Yeah. I feel like when I open the box, like it's, it's, it's like when you the, the videos of someone opening the box and the lights coming out and it goes, oh, and they open the box, that's happening. That's happening. Cause I've been waiting for that thing. I've been bugging Gregor about it for so long. So thank you, Gregor. If you listen yeah. to our podcast, Gregor, McGrath from Absolute awesome. CNC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it, man. That's what I've been doing. I've been pumped about the hobby. I'm excited. Um, I'm hobby. I'm 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 like hip deep in and hobby stuff right now. I uh, I share that sensation. I'm just dying. I just gotta like get the flying fix to go with it. Done tons of wrenching. Now I want to fly. It's been cold Damn. here in the mornings. It was 32 this morning, and but by launch it was 60, dude. It was amazing. So I hope it stays that way. Uh, yeah, I think it's supposed. It'll inevitably warm up here at some point. Um, cold doesn't stick yeah. around too long here in Georgia. So hopefully soon. Cool. That's all, all I right. got, guys. Yep. All right. Thanks, Alex. I think uh, that about wraps it up. If anybody has anything they want to throw in. Uh, so thanks again for listening. Uh, thanks for all the positive feedback. Thanks for the reviews on various podcast platforms. 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for the comments. Uh, please do. Uh, if you're excited to have another helicopter podcast to listen to, and uh, if you want to support us, honestly, the best thing you can do is to like and share our Facebook page, uh, share the new episodes when they come out. Uh, we're picking up new listeners every day, you know, uh, a bunch of new people uh, log on and download the podcast. So uh, we're just trying to get the word out there. So anything y'all can do to help share it out is certainly much appreciated. Uh, consider leaving us a review, like I said, on your favorite podcasting platform uh, and uh, spread the word and join the road of revolution. Uh, you can find us on Facebook by searching for the Rotor Revolution RC podcast. Find us online at www.rotorrevolution.live. If you've got a listener question, and uh, we mentioned this initially, but uh, we would be more than happy to answer listener submitted questions. So if you've got a problem or a question or you're considering two different models and a size and want some advice as to what the best one for you is, by all means, shoot them our way via email at questions at rotorrevolution.live. And uh, Kenny, if folks want to get a hold of you with a question, what's the best way they can uh, get a hold of you? Uh, usually just Facebook Messenger is the easiest way and quickest. All right. Alex? Facebook Messenger for me too. Just look me up, Alex Dean. Um, be happy to happy to talk to you. <laughs> 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 I am a robot. <laughs> oh. Alex doesn't actually exist. Uh, He's just AI. He used voice to text um, for that one. Please be happy to. <laughs> or that was text to voice. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. Brian Birdsong, if the world would like to talk to you, where do they go? Stephen Hawking. Um, same guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on Facebook as well, Messenger, or you know, you can email me. So we have cool email addresses here too. Uh, it'll probably just be our first names so for me it's brian at rotorevolution.live if you'd like to email me a question i'll be glad to answer it brian with an i me up with an i with an i exactly brian with an i (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that and facebook messenger right on primarily all right you can hit me at uh, nick at rotorevolution.live again it's questions at rotorevolution.live for advertiser inquiries or questions for the whole team go ahead and throw them that way Uh, With that, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the revolution. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Boom. Peace. See you in the next one. We out. We out. This concludes this episode of the Rotor Revolution RC podcast. To learn more, stay in touch with the team, and to join the revolution, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, or find us on the web at rotorrevolution.live. Help us spread the word and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. For listener questions, advertising inquiries, or to reach out to the entire team, email us at questions at rotorrevolution.live. Thanks for listening.